a one, a two, a one, two, three, four. <laughs> can you feel the tension in the air right now? I know I can. I can feel it all the way down in my plums. Right? Yeah. Right now. Bash Report's back, baby. I'm Ryan Cook. That over there is Joel Ead. Right here. And we're going to report on some bass for you. But before the bass, guess what I did yesterday? Meow? What'd you do yesterday? I went salmon fishing for the third time in the last, call it six weeks. And lucky. I got skunked. And I got skunked Not for so the lucky. the last six weeks. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, I, oh, dude, when it comes to luck, I guess I blew the whole wad on the on the bass species because the or the fiance that's what it is well that that one too (laughs) that's that's eight points for you 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 pud um you're you're part of the pud club i went out with mark gomez our guy mark gomez and joey verna who owns outwater stage stop and the last three times they've been out they have caught minimum three salmon each trip except for the two times i've been with them and we got skunked. So, yeah, I don't know what it is, man. I, I no more I invites for you. No invites for you. <laughs> no invites for you. Um, we, we did go catch. We went and caught some rockfish, which was awesome. We, we went out, uh, <clears throat> out out of Half Moon Bay, and, and we went and caught our three limits of rockfish. We probably threw another ten small ones back. So that was cool. We're gonna do a fish fry later tonight if, if we get this done in time. If not, we'll do it tomorrow night. We do our best to get it done as quickly as possible. Thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode of this podcast. I've been doing it for a while now, coming up on two years. Pretty cool deal. Um, great support. Thank you all. Um, straight to the business. Phoenix Rods, I just hit them up uh, for the giveaway uh, that we did last month. Dude, it's just easy to work with. Great company. Uh, you're going to be hanging out with Vince this weekend. Saturday we're going to um, a comedy show up in up in Old Town Sack. Yeah. So uh, yeah, just a just a big thanks to to Phoenix for everything they do for us. Um, great rods. It's all we use. What else, Ryan? Oh, thanks to the Patreon supporters. Yeah. For as Joel says, keeping the lights on. That's right. Um, keeping the recorder rolling. Keeping the batteries flowing over here. <laughs> I was just complaining about batteries because I used earlier them. today I should have done some mowing, but uh, yeah, because we're rhyming. Oh well, good rhyme. All the timing, time, crime, slime, hmm. <laughs> Amazon Prime, slime Sorry. time live. Okay, Can anybody else horrible. remember Nickelodeon? All right, um, we just <laughs> lost eight more of them again this week already. <laughs> all right, um, no, so. Exactly. Thanks to all the Patreon. Thanks for everybody who supports. Um, we're getting close to that hundred mark. On uh, I just really want to see a hundred on uh, the iTunes podcast application. So if you got the time, go, <laughs> go do get it. it. I know that no, we got more than uh, eighty-two listeners. I know that for a fact. So if you can, uh, go leave us a, a comment there. Um, big thanks for all the feedback, uh, guys. Giving us feedback, both you know constructive criticism stuff like that feel free always never don't you're never going to hurt anybody's feelings hit us up let us know what we're doing well and and some things that that maybe you hate um we'll take that as well you know because we're only going to get better if we get the the good criticism so um if if it's positive feedback i don't mind receiving it if it's anything constructive 
Give it to Joel. I don't want to deal with that shit. Yeah, you can just go to the Bash Report and give me the negative stuff. All the good stuff, just go to at Ryan Cook Fishing. You can yeah. tell him all all the how great he is. Stroke that ego. Get that head a little bit bigger than it already is. Most most people tell me how great you are is is the ironic Bullshit. thing there. Bull. I swear Baloney. to everybody loves you. Baloney. I've <sighs> seen two guys with your name tattooed on their neck already. Oh, wow. Dude. Joel Leadcasting. Meet those dudes. Uh, it's not Joel Leadcasting anymore. Well, so it, can't to use me, it you'll always be Joel Leadcasting. Can't, can't, can't use it. The funny it. thing is, in my cell phone under contacts, you are literally still Joel Bass Report. Joel Bass Report. <laughs> That's awesome. I still talk to people, and I talk to people that like know you, that know me, that know you, and I'll still say Ryan Cook. And it's not like I know that many Ryans, but I still it's still always Ryan Cook. It, it's it, like it's it goes a pretty common name. It goes like together like I don't know a duck in water, like pe- like lamb and tuna fish, like lamb and tuna exactly, <laughs> lamb and tuna fish. Got it this time. Um, no, I, I brought up I brought up the I brought up the your f- name as Jolie Casting because the other day Diana and I are driving somewhere, and I'm trying and I'm going, hey Siri. Call Jolied, and it's like there's no Jolied. I'm like, call Jolied, and she's like, you have to say Joel Bass report. So that's right. Anyway, wow, it was funny. So yeah, you know the worst thing about Siri. There. The worst thing about Siri is she doesn't know my last name. She doesn't know how to pronounce it. Like every like ninety eight point four percent of the people on this on this planet. So I literally have gotten to the point where I have to I have to say my name incorrectly to call members of my family. So if they've oh, got God. a last name that's the same as that's that's Eid, I have to say it incorrectly. So that and it drives me nuts to the point where, to the point where I'm ready to just not do it anymore. So I'm like, what? Check Siri's the one back who's back to old school and literally like, just pushing a button. Siri's the one who sucks. Why should I change? You know, it's like from the from the office, like Michael Bolton. <laughs> like, yeah, what? Why don't you just go and buy Mike instead of Michael? Why should I change? He's the one who sucks. <laughs> like it's. <laughs> But oh my! God. But it's true. Uh, to finish, to finish off. Uh, so stage stop gun shop. Uh, go hit them up if you are a Patreon. Ten percent off Phoenix rods. Same for Cowdy Bait and Tackle. Right down the road from where I'm sitting right now. Cowdy Bait and Tackle. Go see them. Um, go talk to Josh. Go talk to Denise. Go talk to Mickey. They'll get you set up. And if you buy a Phoenix rod and you're a Patreon member, ten percent off. And um, you can't beat that with a stick. I mean, you're already if you're if you're helping us out, it's, you're gonna go save some money, offset that cost. It's a it's a win win win, as I always say. It's a lot of wins, zero lose, no lose situation. Um, Spear point hooks, dude. I I finally got my the big care package that I was waiting for, uh, and uh, there's we do we got some great hooks to give away in the next couple months uh, from Spear Point. We definitely have the the GP finesses, but we also have some. Some great worm hooks, the EWG straight shanks. Um, we got a bunch. We got some trailer hooks for spinner baits, which is awesome. And it, it sent me some extra ones so I could use those on on some of the spinner baits I'm, I'm making. I'm super looking forward to that. Hey guys, if you have not checked out the new straight shank hook, it's a dope you, one. You 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 really really need to. Mm-hmm. It is a phenomenal hook all the way around. And one more thing, I, I, I just, I, I got to say this, and this is just me personally. Go ahead, keep going, bud. With that GP finesse hook, one thing I've started doing lately, and I'm not saying they didn't get it right. I do this with most hooks, almost every hook out there, depending on the situation. But with that GP finesse hook, 
get your pliers because you're going to need them to get the hook out anyway. But before you do that, get the pliers out and bend that hook point up just about maybe five degrees. Just open up that gap a little tiny bit. And oh my gosh, like we don't even hardly miss a bite ever anymore. It's absolutely insane. Just a little bit. If you if you if you go too hard on that, and this is the same stuff that I've. I've heard people talk about, I've talked to guys about this for like big plastic baits. If you're using like beast hooks in bigger plastics, they, that's the the call, right? There's two things. You want to make sure that you kind of work out that hole so that it's not binding on the hook when you get the bite. And the other thing is to just give a little bit of an opening on that hook, but you want to be careful. You don't want to go too much because you can, you can compromise the integrity of the hook. If you go too much, right. As Bobby Barrick says now, and I think there's a time and a place and everybody's got their own take on this and there's no, there's no right or wrong way, but like Bobby said, and I've done it before and I haven't had a problem with it, but I, I get what he's saying. And when that guy talks, you just listen. But yeah. I think when it comes to a big hook where you're putting a lot of pressure on this fish, you need the strength. I feel like you're probably better off not bending that hook out or at least not much. But when it comes to a GP finesse, hook, I mean, you're talking light line, soft rods. Yeah. You're not putting a lot of pressure on that fish. I have never once had a problem with having a hook break or bend out or not be strong enough for, for what I need. And if, and if and you, we've caught yeah. bass, I mean, over nine pounds on these GP freaking finesse hooks and we put them to the test. And, and once you, once you actually get that hook in there, it's going to slide down to the V grip. And that's the whole point of the hook. So you're not going to have a problem as long as it gets down to the V grip. But yep. Anyway, that's just um, something. Like you said, that Bobby it's brought up. So I'm after. You got to listen. About getting gripped by the V. That just just these are all the things that go through our minds. But yes, it is a it is a it's a it's a sweet little tip. Now, what else? Bank beaters got a couple cool shirts for the uh, for the merit award winner for the month of September. So I want to thank Bank Beaters for hooking us up. They're going to do this uh, this month and next. Pretty cool. Got some apparel. So and it'll be you know whatever size you need. So for our for our for guys like me and Ryan, the bigger gentleman, all the way down to as small as you like. Even I think he's even got female specific stuff. I'm not sure, but we'll we'll check into that. Um, How dare you call me bigger? But and, and speaking of female specific stuff, like I've heard this from a couple people. We're not anti-woman on this podcast. We'd love to have some women on. Not It's not the easiest thing to do. There's not a whole lot of them. Uh, and at the same time, they're, they all do a lot of podcasts. Well, there's so, not a lot that we take seriously enough to get them on here. <laughs> okay. So, if that makes sense. Maybe. Well, there's some of them, like, we don't want to mention names that are just... No, well, I mean, there, we, so that is not an issue. The issue is... The ones that are around, they do a lot of podcasts. They do a lot of media. We don't really want to go and grab that. I mean, it's hard enough going up against Nick doing the casting crank and having to like kind of he's going to have someone on. I got to wait a couple of months. Like we, we don't really don't want to do like the whole sloppy seconds thing like right after. So there have been some situations like that. What I'm saying is we, we would love to have more women on. If you guys have suggestions and you really want more women on hit us up we're wide open love to love to talk to them just that just came up that was aside but uh i still think part of the i still think it's partly though like some of them there there are some of them i wouldn't want to talk to it would just be a complete waste of time well there you go <clears throat> ryan cook straight from the, that's just my opinion straight from the horse's mouth um 
There we go. So uh, also, G Rat Bates. We got a few more. I mean, back when we had Garrett on, he after that show, he hooked us up big time. So we've been giving those out month after month. That is, I mean, I can't. That is the coolest thing when it comes to this podcast is having people like that support us in that way. Um, and so we we still have some some more of the of the G Rat love going on, which I'm not going to be mad at all. It's been awesome. So. It's going to be a good one this month. Got a lot of cool stuff. And then, of course, we're, we've got hats. Got I think we've got seven hats left. Um, and like I said, once we get through all of those. And we've got one more flex fit. If someone wants a flex fit and wants to jump on there and get the last flex, flex fit, you can just... you Actually, just hit me up. If you want a flex fit, just hit me up and we'll do it that way. Don't even go through the thing. Just go on the Instagram and DM me or something. There you go. There we go. I think that's all of it ryan what's going on in the mother load or you, you don't fish you don't fish the mother load anymore you just go salmon fishing and don't catch anything i just go <laughs> go salmon or rock fishing um <laughs> what you do now so the rock cod bite's pretty good now <clears throat> um <clears throat> i i can't excuse me I, i've got really bad allergies right now they're sweeping almonds around my place and i am also oh bad. the almond time oh dude it's bad and we live in almond country so um not much has changed since last week. I mean, not much is going to change at all until the weather changes, right? It's starting to cool down. Our days are getting a little bit shorter. Nights are getting a little bit longer. So that's going to start dropping that water temperature. Um, it's it's still a grind out there for the most part. I mean, w- when you get on them, it's good. It's just it's, it's hard to find them. You're covering a lot of water. Um, as far as the fishing report, I, I nothing has changed since last week. The bite is exactly the same. So uh, j- j- let's just give it on the mother load. <clears throat> I'll give you a quick five baits to have tied on, just to keep it simple. Five baits you got to have tied on right now. So one would be obviously the spoon, three quarter ounce Hopkins. Um, if you see that bait, you see that fish pushing it on your graph drop that thing down and even like i'll pull up to a main lake point right now and just take that spoon and literally fan cast it like it's a jig throw it out let it hit the bottom i'll rip it up reel down rip it up reel down rip it up and if you just run main lake point to main lake point right now it's warm so these fish are still aggressive they're willing to chase something down just the speed of that spoon can draw a reaction strike pretty quickly so you should watch ryan rip a spoon three it's it's inspiring Oh man, you he, he rips that. the sh- he rips the smoke out of that. You're thing. Just yeah. saying that. <laughs> some some so sometimes I rip it, and also there's there's other times where I literally just barely lift that thing, where I'm just popping that rod tip four inches, six inches. Sometimes I'll get on the fish, <clears throat> and you can see them, you can see the bait, but they're just not hungry, they're not chasing, and I'll literally drop that spoon down and just like flip flop it over, like like poop 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 do it with my finger you can't see it but after uh, you were talking just, four inches six inches you're, you're talking about a night I'm talking heavy like, whiskey I'm, drinking just flopping that thing around just there flopping you. it oh man just out on the table you know you know you see something you like playing, um, playing pool with a rope you know just right just flop that thing around bait number <laughs> bait number two <clears throat> it have to be a drop shot this time of year i'm seeing the fish dropping on them um, I'm going to go with a heavier weight. It's very important, like a three-eighths, even a half ounce sometimes. You want to get that thing to them because these fish are moving for the most part. Um, if I had to pick one color worm just to keep it simple, probably Morning Dawn is going to get bit 
as good as anything. If you get around shad, sometimes the shad pattern, but the more I do this, the more I've realized when you're around a bunch of shad, sometimes you don't want to look like every other shad. It's amazing. If, if you get in a group of shad, you drop a six inch margarita mutilator or morning dawn that looks nothing like those shad. How, how much more quickly they will bite that than they will a little four inch shad pattern bait or a three inch. It's crazy. Um, don't be don't be scared to let your bait stand out. You stand um, out. You you live your best life, Queen. That's right. And that's going to be usually on a number two GP finesse hook. If I'm going really really small baits, I'll go with a number three GP finesse hook and bend that hook point up just a little bit. Bait number three is going to be a topwater bait. Um, right now, I'm liking the Chapo. We've talked about this. As it gets warmer, I want something I can cover more water with. Just chuck and wine. I do love a walking bait, and I'll usually have one of those tied on as well. But if I had to pick one, it's going to be a Chapo and the one, the bigger size, what is it, the 120 or whatever? Um, pearl white or bluegill pattern, whatever. So that's three. Number four is going to be a fluke. You got to have that fluke tied on. <clears throat> I'm throwing that fluke on a one aught. Is it a one aught or a number one? A one aught um, spear point. Straight shank hook. That is the hook for the fluke. I've just figured this out the other day. This this hook is perfect for it. Um, so that's going to be four. We got uh, the other bait. I'm going to give you two more. The yeah. other two baits you really need to have tied on right now is going to be a spinner bait because as you get the wind, you get those mud lines. You got to throw a spinner bait. You better have said a spinner bait. You got to have a spinner bait tied on and a flutter spoon. So this is the time of year I've always got two spoons tied on. A flutter spoon, which is usually a five-inch. Um, and I've got the three-quarter-ounce Hopkins. A another great spoon on the market, if you guys get a chance, there's a guy down <clears throat> in the Fresno area named Taz Mua. It's, his bait company is TM Custom Baits. You can find him on Facebook and Instagram. He's an, if, guy, if, you don't, if you don't follow kayak fishing guys oh the the guy just won yeah. the last event they had on lake britain like yeah. he's a stud um taz makes a phenomenal flutter spoon it's a 4.75 inch so it's just it's just that perfect all-around size like it gets bit by a lot of fish but it gets bit by big fish so check him out check out that spoon that's a great great spoon that's all i got joel wrapped that was pretty good I wasn't expecting like a like a we we didn't like there, there this wasn't a plan. I know in the in the in the world in the realm of of social media now lists are like a big they've always been a big thing for like the last 10 years. Like do lists. Mm -hmm. You just you just like came through with your own list. We should have a blog. I, I can't. We should just do a blog and I'll just take all of what you just said and I'll make it a blog. Yeah. And it'll get hits online. I can't do I can't do lists like like when I go do seminars, I if I try to make a list to follow, I get all screwed up. I just gotta, I just gotta let it flow. Let it flow. Let it flow, bro. We're on the flow. So I'm excited, uh, I'm excited to talk to our our guest. Yeah, who's our guest? Give give the intro because I just hit him up. He's gonna be on any second now because this is the way we do it. Mister Big Bass himself, Gary Wasson. He's down in the South Valley. He fishes Pine Flat, Kawea, all those lakes down there, and uh, he is no stranger to catching big fish. He's been doing this a long time, and I think it'll be just fun just 
chatting him up about targeting bigger bites and how he does it because he looks at things a little different than your average person. I want to look. He's I definitely talk to, a hero or zero type of guy. I want to talk to him about fishing some of the lakes that, that I grew up around. And well, anytime I get a guy with a phone number with the nickel nickel nine, the old five five nine, I get excited, man. Because that's I mean that's nickel nickel nine. I still have it. I, I haven't lived in Fresno in over fifteen years. I still I got the lived nickel. in Fresno in six. I think I still have the five nickel nickel six. nine. Nickel nickel. So do I. Nine. So do I. For, too bad Fresno State can't uh, figure their stuff out. My God. Oh, it was a hell of a game, though. My God. No, it wasn't. Hell of a game, it was awful, though. Awful, dude. The whole game was trash. Oregon Sorry. State deserved that one because Fresno played like crap. Yeah, no. They they won that game fair. They out they outplayed I can, them. I can. Str- oh, God, dude. There, there he, is. he is. I was just about there to go. He <laughs> there he is. Hey, Gary hey, gave we us just a there. Talking he about is. the Fresno State Bulldogs and what a crap show that was. Did you watch that game? No, I missed it. I was up in the mountains deer hunting, but I was. We're trying to get it up there. My buddy's, but we couldn't get it. No, you were you were you were a lucky guy, Gary, because that was a total. It was one of the most disappointing things I've ever seen as a Fresno State fan. It was awful. So it was probably as bad as about, about my Rams game too. And, you know, <laughs> oh, dude, dude, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it was such a bad week for you and me then, because I'm a Raider fan. And oh that was man, bad. dude, just yeah. awful. You know, I'm a Derek Carr fan too, and that was disappointing too. I mean, like, oh boy. Did you we well, can talk football all night, can't we? <laughs> did, 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 did you, well, did you get a deer? No, I passed on a couple, you know, spike forks, small ones, and uh, I didn't shoot them. And then I, I you know, I tried to get a bigger buck, but, you know, tax suit tastes like crap. I maybe should have shot that dude, but uh, <laughs> I did locate a couple nice bucks last day, and they've been seen there before by my brother, and we talked about it, and I saw them, and they're pretty nice bucks. One's a big, big forking horn, so I'm going to try to get him on Saturday morning. Right on. Yeah. So how are you guys doing? We're real We're good. We're good, man. Happy to have you done, on. I just got done telling everybody all about you. I, I built you up, said a bunch of good things, so... No pressure, but don't disappoint him, Gary. It's all true. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Gary, before we go before we go any further, are you on speakerphone? I'm on speakerphone, bud. Can you can you not be on speakerphone? Is that is that possible? Let's see. My phone is sort of weird, so let's see if I can, you guys can hear me without right. being on speakerphone. Hold on. Is it better now? Um can you hear me? It's actually worse. Huh? It is worse. That's the first time ever. Okay. So yeah, go back to speakerphone. You're good, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> this phone is kind of weird. Hey, yeah, work. my phone is. I'm due for a new iPhone. This thing is. Uh, it's been dropped one too many times. You're it's good as long as long, as long as you're not, not bad on speaker. Yeah, as long as you're not in a place where the, with a ton of echo, because then you can hear us in your phone if we start. Let me loud. see. Let me get out. Yeah, I'm. My kitchen has this concrete floor, so let me go over here and sort of. That's where I hit my high notes when I sing, you know. So that sound better. <laughs> oh, I did. Yeah, sounds worse. Dude, Gary he's also the lead singer for a, a a band called Mr. Rude. He does a lot of that, Joel. I didn't even tell you about that. What? Yeah. And he's good. Like, I've heard, like, I've listened. It, it, like, he's no joke. He's pretty good. Well, I thought that was Been a joke. For a long time. That's for real. Almost 35, yep. 40 years on stage. And yeah. I have a lot of rock and roll stories, but that's another whole podcast that's another podcast in itself. that while we're having shots of patron and you know dude being cochinos already <laughs> i already i'm looking forward to hitting up gary after this and and setting something up fishing maybe a little bit of rock and roll maybe a little bit of patron oh yeah i'm down 
Yep. That's out of Sean at the end. Absolutely. Gary, where, Absolutely. where are you out of? I know you got the 559 number, so you're in the Fresno area. Do you, where, whereabouts are you? I'm in Visalia. Okay, right on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and here, that's uh, going to be fun to kind of talk about those, the, those South Valley lakes, you know, because we don't talk, we, we don't get a lot of reports on them. So they're very special lakes and they have absolute monsters in them. So yeah, let's talk. Cause I mean, they, I think they're, I think the lakes that a lot of guys in North, I know a lot of guys in Northern California now in the last three or four years, I've met a lot, you know, at the California opens and, and, uh, us open, I, you know, you see a lot of these guys that you, you know, become friends with on Facebook and, and you finally put a, you know, uh, a picture to a face or however you want to say it at, at, at the dock. And, um, I think a lot of these guys over there should really, you know, come over here to Quia, come into success because these lakes are extremely special certain times of year. I mean, you know, my buddy of mine's got a 19 pounder out of success and, you know, then, uh, that's all big bass currents, wasn't it? That's big bass currents. Yeah. And he caught that's it on right. silver buddy. Well, see, and, um, Gary, you got us. You you have us a little bit uh, perplexed here because me and Ryan are both like, well, we don't want to push them too hard. I know these lakes are kind of special, and you're just coming out here like, hey man, come out, we're catching the big well, ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I told Joel before we started this, just out of respect, I said we're not gonna probably want to mention success because it's small, and obviously, you know, small fishery can only take so much pressure. But I don't think guys are gonna. Go, I don't think guys are gonna go down there, dude. I just don't see it. I, you know, if you if Gary what? tells honest right. stories about it, they sure as hell will. I bet you they won't. Well, I bet you they won't. I, you know, I bet you're right because the fact that, um, you know, I've gotten, you know, a lot of big bags out of there and stuff over the over the years. Stuff, but the lake in the last year is is something has changed about it. I don't know. It's it, it wasn't. I don't think it was too overpressured, but. Uh, you know, at least lakes, like every four, five, six years, they go through like a rebuild. Like you start seeing just like two pounders, maybe a three and a four here and there. And, it's, and you're like, where happened to all the giants? And um, we're just not seeing them right now like we normally do. And uh, and that's okay. And but so it's been a little slow with those lakes. And you, even with same with Quia, you know, you'll hear occasional double digit come out of there, but it's not like it used to be. So I think a lot of people's even you know, the fish of the water's dropped so many times, it's starting to affect them. I have no idea. Well, it's but, it's know, the we, same thing in the motherlode, Gary. I, I, I mean, you follow the tournaments I've, I've heard up that. here, I'm I've sure. Heard that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when's the last time you've seen a 20 pound bag weight in in the motherlode? And these lakes you used know, to kick out 30 and 40 pound limits often. You know, you know, I used to hear about before I start fishing. You know, McClure and uh, Pedro and all those lakes and stuff. And I'm not, you know, I'm I have very little knowledge of those lakes. And I've been to McClure probably 10 times in my life, and Pedro maybe six times in my life. I don't fish right. it. You know, with my schedule, my work and everything, it's hard for me to drive clear over there. So, um, uh, but you know, like you said, I, I heard a lot, you know, 20 pounds, 22 pounds, 23, you know, sometimes even 30 pounds. I'm like, right. wow. Especially in the, you know, you know, February, March when they're the big ones are, are here. I have but, seen, I have seen 44 pounds weighed in at New Maloney's five fish. You know, that lake is special. Mm-hmm. Uh, that lake is insane special. I mean, I've gone there six times, seven times, and every time I've gone, I'm thinking, 
wow, you know, look at the size of these fish are getting caught and the and just the quality and quantity, you know, right. if you want to go and catch two or three pounders, you know, to catch 25 or 30 and say, hey, I, I got 25 or 30 fish, you know, two to three pounds. And the guy lives up there, looks at you like you're stupid. Like, well, what's the, so, okay. Right. What's the big news. Right. And, uh, you know, for me, it was like, wow, it was a great time. I had a great time, you know, but then you start hearing about these, uh, big ones that's coming out. I, I met the guy that caught a 17 out of there years back. He has his own, uh, big bass streams. Yeah. Uh, that's Oliver Nye or however. Nye. Yeah. Him. Yeah. Great guy. Nice guy. And, uh, he was up there filming for Toyota and Matt Frazier was with them. And, and, uh, and we had, you know, we shared our, it was pretty cool to share, you know, share our, our fish story about our, my 17 and his 17. It's well, pretty rare. Cause you've got a 17 <laughs> from Lake Kawia, correct? Yeah. I got a 1702 out of a Kawia on a rig. Yeah. It, it literally ate every one, about one wire sticking out of his mouth. I, I remember, I, I remember that whole story. I mean, every, obviously it blew up on social media. So, oh yeah. I want to talk about that story, Gary. We want to hear okay. um, how you target these big bass. I know, you know, I've talked to Matt a lot. You know, I mm-hmm. I know you don't like to fish deep. I know you fish for big bites. You're, you know, you're kind of a, hey, I'm going to be a hero or zero type of guy, and I love that mentality. Um, but first of all, let's get the backstory. Let's, let's backtrack a little bit. Just kind of tell us, okay. you know, when did you get into fishing? How long you've been doing it? Um, what makes you love it all that fun stuff well when i was young um my grandfather took me fishing and uh you know so it's the grandpa your dad whatever my dad took me fishing as well let me let me back up my grandfather took me fishing um and when i was like i don't know four or five years old and i and uh uh and then my stepdad came into my life when i was like six years old and that right. is my dad today my real dad sort of just you know disappeared and which is funny which is fine right but my dad loved to fish, but he was a crawdad man. You know what I mean? So he liked to fill, go down the ditch and grit crawdads, and, and we'd go down to military and Pine Flat and just catch the crap out of bass on crawdads. So for the longest time, uh, into my teen, my early teen years, that's all we did was crawdads. So I didn't know any better. I wasn't taught any different. And then um, a couple of years, we went through a couple, like a little bit of drought. And uh, imagine that in California. And, uh, <laughs> and there was no water running in the ditches, so we couldn't get any crawdads. So I was sort of forced to use a rubber worm and a, a Mr. Twister. Remember oh, the, yeah. and, old school. And, uh, old school. I'm talking old school. And it was, a, it was a green Mr. Twister, and I caught the crap out of bass. So after a while, I was like, you know, I, I have no interest in throwing live bait anymore. I'm catching them on this Mr. Twister and this uh, uh, rooster tail, a big root, white and yellow rooster tail. I mean, whatever color I could get. So that was my deal. And so... I, I used to catch a lot of fish and, and didn't really think much of it. And then uh, it's time, like, you know, of course, I've got rock and roll music and stuff. And we were playing and shopping record deals. And I had Simon Wright perform, you know, of ACDC in my band for three years. And and uh, we did a lot of big shows and, uh, you know, played all over Hollywood, the whole deal, and, and entertained record uh, executives and listened to them. The author, of course, all the offers were horrible. You ain't going to make a dime. But, um, you know, so I did that for a long time and I still fish and I fished and hunt and uh, hold that and did the whole grew my hair to my ass, the whole thing. And <laughs> did the 80s. Did, I, I did the eighties, you know? So anyhow, um, so fishing was there, but it wasn't like so important like it is to me now. And then as I got in my upper, oh, my, actually my lower thirties, 
I started getting a tournament. I bought a champion bass boat. We have, I think we everyone's owned a champion at least once because they're a great boat. They are. And, uh, and so, and they just got their instructable. So I, I fished out of that and I got my ass handed to me every tournament. And I'm going, these guys are something special. And I remember one time I was sitting there at, at Doyle's in Pine Flat and there's a tournament. It was after the tournament. And you know, I, I didn't do any good. I didn't think I even had a limit. And uh, I was listening to these guys talk. And they t- when they talk, they talk Chinese to me because I didn't know what it meant and so one guy says, hey how did you get him today one goes ah you know i was uh you know i was just uh, sitting there shaking an 082 uh, uh you know on a drop shot or something there's something weird and i'm going what the hell are they saying well 082 <laughs> is a color code for a worm that you know and uh i think it was keeper makes the worm 08 color code 082. it's a green weenie yep and i was and i was just like wow i mean and then this other guy goes oh, i was you know i was out there just you know ripping and one guy goes, I was throwing a blade. I had no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> Nothing. So it was it was like, okay, I'm out of my league. So I, I do another tournament. I'm standing there. No one talks to me. No one cares. This is a long-haired rocker dude with a, you know, and a ponytail. Looks like he hasn't gotten to sleep because I didn't. Because I, did, I would do my show and then go straight to the lake with no sleep. And I did that for 25 years, tournament fishing. I wore myself out. But anyhow, I go over there and I catch a five-pounder and I catch a three and a four. I actually... I didn't win the tournament, but I took second. And my, my, oh yeah, and I think Tim Wells won the tournament. Tim Senior won the tournament. Surprise, and, surprise! Yeah, uh, surprise, surprise! That man is a special fisherman. I'm telling you, he is amazing. He's my, he is. my, he's my guy. I look up to in the in my area. He's the man. So I, I was like, oh, I must beat Tim Wells. You know, so I was like, all of a sudden, a, a shot of motivation was stuck in my ass end. And I tell you what, I was into tournament fishing. I put some money in my pocket. I was, you know, wow, I wasn't, you know, like 300 bucks or whatever it was back then. And uh, so it took off in there. And then uh, as we went on, uh, the rock and roll thing was still going. And, and uh, true story, I went to it. I, I did my gig. I got, came home, took a shower, hooked my boat up, and went to Quia Lake and fished a tournament. At about 8.30 in the morning, you know, I was sitting there drop shotting. Imagine me drop shotting because I hate doing it. But I'm, back then it was really <laughs> popular. And I'm sitting there drop shotting, and I fell asleep standing up. And I almost fell in the lake off the front of my boat. And I said, this is ridiculous. So I just, I need to do, I, told, I was thinking to myself, I need to do something like throw a reaction meter or something to stay awake. I need to have my brain move like, you did, like chewing seeds or something. You know, you keep, it keeps you from falling asleep. You got, you got, you're concentrating on something. Right. And so I picked up a jerk bait and I started working that thing. And I started catching fish. So eventually, as, as it went on, I got into power fishing because the only way I can stay awake <clears throat> is basically power fish i had to i had to be you know chuck and wine chuck and wine that's all i could stay away and i started winning tournaments and i was like you know what? this is the way to go for me mm-hmm. as it went on and it's, it's and of course you know i don't play as much i still play uh mostly private events but i got more free weekends now so i can actually go out and power fish but once in a while where's that single rod and uh it works really well <laughs> so, <laughs> that's, that's my awesome. story on basically on uh, how i got into it and then um, uh, you know, as, as, as time went on, you know, I started getting more into, uh, you know, helping other people, you know, there's a lot of people in my area that I've helped and showed and, 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 uh, and they appreciate it. And I think, and to me, it's more important than a win than have somebody come up to me. Hey buddies, you told me I did exactly what you did and I caught my biggest bass. And I've heard that from a lot of people. 
And then when I caught that 17 on the A-Rig, I would all of a sudden, I'm the A-Rig king around here, right? You know, Gary's a pro of A-Rig. You know, I just, you know, I just got caught the fish on a damn A-Rig. But, um, <laughs> but I started helping people how I find my A-Rig, how, the base and colors I throw on, and they start catching the personal best. So stuff like that to me is pretty important in my age now than mostly, you know, than tournament wins, I, I would say. I feel better about it, you know. Man, that's well, cool. And I love that. And it, it, it makes you feel good, you know. Let's be honest; it, just, it does. It's a great it feeling. Exactly, exactly. Isn't that what fishing's about, though? Like the it's, it, it just always feels good. <laughs> I know, I know that's like kind of silly to say, but when you get out there, had a bad week, you had a good week, doesn't matter. Anything, anything that happens once you're out there, once you get the boat in the water, trucks parked, and you're that first just heading out to wherever you want to go fishing. That feeling is like nothing else. Well, and I think and that's every, everything else fades away. You're focused on the fishing that day, and your all your other bingo problems at home just fade away for bingo. seven eight hours. Bingo! All the concrete computers are left behind, and you're on the water, and 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 it, it's therapy. If that's why all these guys go out there, of course they love to compete, but also it's therapeutic for them to be out there. And because I mean, come on, it's stress. Our lives are stressful at work, you know, relationships, everything that you got going, kids, the whole deal, financials, mm-hmm. but everything. And so when you go out there, it seems like it just goes away. It does. You know? Yeah. And, and, and if, uh, it, it's a drug without the buzz. How's that? I mean, cause I mean, some people lean on drinking or whatever else to get away from their, their world that they're not happy in. Mm-hmm. Ours is going out there and, and hooking a giant bass and, Acting like a little kid screaming, and especially it comes off. Oh my God! It was a giant. It was a you giant. Know, encounter, but you know, hey, you know. So that's what we go after and stuff. And and, and uh, I rather have that type of uh, uh, of a buzz, I should say, than uh, than doing anything else that's going to get you in trouble or even you know or or worse. And this comes right. and this comes from a from a from a rock guy. This comes from an eighties rocker. Yeah, you know yeah, me. Something I, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, I, I saw it all in the eighties. I saw it all. I was on stage every single weekend. It felt like, and we did a lot of big shows. And like I said, we had a big name drummer from ACDC. I got the great whites drummer right now in my band. And, uh, so, I mean, I've done a lot of big shows, you know, 5,000 seaters, the whole deal. So after the show, there was a lot of drugs hanging around there and stuff. And it was easy for me to say, no, thank you. And, uh, uh I didn't, if, if I knew one of the guys in our, cause we had a, you know, we had a road crew, the whole deal. And if I knew one of the guys in our crew was doing any type of drugs, I don't care if it was marijuana, I fired him. I fired a really, really good drummer. Uh, uh, he was doing, he came to practice and he's laughing and laughing and laughing. So I'm laughing now with him, but I don't know what the hell I'm laughing about because he's laughing, but now I'm laughing. <laughs> and he, he, I, I go, like, what's so funny? His name was old Rod. And uh, he goes, I'm on shrooms. Oh, boy. Yeah. And I go, and you're, I looked at him and I said, and you're fired. And he's laughing, and all of a sudden his face is getting serious. Like you're fired. I said, I, I told you, I don't do drugs. And I'm so I've been really passionate about no drugs, none of that crap. You know, even heavy, heavy drinking. It's that's not the way to go. That's not the way to go because they, I got relatives that you know did all that, and all of a sudden it led into a, a bigger buzz and a bigger buzz, and all of a sudden now they're gone. Mm-hmm. They died early. Yeah. So I that, that that was enough for me to see like stay away from that shit. You know, especially if you operate a boat. You know, if you're drinking or or driving, or, or drinking, or doing anything with that—that's a buzz. Those boats don't. Those boats don't have brakes. And uh, you know, you come up on something and you're coming in too quick, you're going to kill someone. 
Right. You know, and uh, it's uh, it's dangerous, you know. So I've just been really passionate about staying away from all that crap. I looked the part, but I just didn't do the part. <laughs> you know, with the long old hair and stuff. Hey, you want some blow? No, thank you. you know? <laughs> Come on. I know you do blow. No, thank you. No, I don't. <laughs> you know? I'm about to blow you out. I'm about to blow you out of the water cute. with this ten pounder. I'm about to catch right now. But no. yeah, exactly. But your girlfriend's cute. I'll talk to her. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other different story back in the day. <laughs> oh man, I love it. God, I. We're gonna have to have him back for another one, Joel. No, because no, this I hear you, the stories. You took it a whole d- another level because we were honestly. Oh, yeah. This week, Ryan. Ryan's. Uh, I mean, Ryan. We can talk about your your podcast that you did talking about your stuff i mean that i mean we're, yeah. we're here we're talking about it you know like this is important well, yeah no uh, and you probably know a little bit of my backstory gary i'm not sure if you do or not but i i'm a recovering I, 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 absolutely i don't i'm sorry i don't okay so i um i've got i've got a little over seven years clean <clears throat> off of methamphetamines and opiates congratulations so, sir thank you very much that i appreciate is, that, it that is that's awesome because let me tell you that is one and i and i just from what i've seen i like i said never done any drugs but people that's one drug that's extremely hard to stay away from oh yeah and that's i mean i've i've seen people try and try and and uh but so congratulations to you that is incredible no i appreciate it i i went out you know when i was i fished a lot of tournaments in my early 20s when i was 24 I won a bass boat up at Lake Oroville, you know, doing all that stuff. And, mm-hmm. and then I, I got hooked on painkillers. I mean, just a few months, well, I had actually started dabbling with them during that championship tournament on Oroville and mm-hmm. ended up losing everything. I quit fishing for like nine years. And so to be back here is pretty cool. And it's just funny that you brought that up. Cause I, I just recorded a podcast with, um, knocking doors down, which is a local podcast company here. A guy named Jason mm-hmm. Lachance, he's a buddy of ours. And, we just recorded that um, about two weeks ago, and it just came out Monday talking about, you know, just giving people hope, right? Like, here's where I was. Here's where I am now. You can do it, too. All that fun stuff. So, Absolutely. And yeah. I think there's a lot of I think there's a lot of people out there in the fishing community that, you know, that fishes tournaments and or or thinks about doing tournament, anything that is, you know, struggled with uh, not only drugs, but alcohol. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe it's a, maybe maybe a suggestion. And like you said, you did something like that, but maybe there's some guys out there that would say, Hey, I, that was, that was me. And some, right. some name, some name sticks out there, you know, uh, that maybe struggled with the, some type of an addiction and have a podcast show and get these guys all on to talk about it. And you never know, we can maybe save someone's life. Yeah, absolutely. It's That's important. It's important because, you know, I look at a lot of fishermen that are really good. I mean, it takes, I mean, we're all gray faced and everything. And by the time you get gray faced, that's about the time you start getting really good. You know, I mean, for me, it was, you know, and so these guys have been through the battles, they've been through everything. And, um, you know, and so I look up to these guys and, and when they, when they try to promote a product or anything, I'm listening. So maybe if, if those guys talk about their past and, and, uh, to, to these younger sticks that are coming up, that maybe, you know, that got something going on right now. Uh, it can help them and, and change their direction. Well, that's that's the whole reason. You you know you you tell the story to to help out. You tell the story to give somebody hope. You tell the story, you know, to let people know that hey, man, you know, this is this is not 
uncommon. This is very common, and you can get through it. You know, and exactly, exactly. So maybe it, we do do another show like that sometime, and just get some you know people that maybe struggle with them. I mean, and uh, uh, it'd be inspirational. It'd will be really good. Mm-hmm. I do like that. And if anybody wants yeah. to check that out, if anybody's out there, you're struggling. You know, somebody that's struggling. You could benefit from it just just go search on um apple podcast spotify or youtube there's actually a video of it yep it's it's knocking doors down if you search knocking it on youtube just search knocking doors down and then ryan cook because there's a lot of knocking doors down videos um from everyone yeah. so yeah um sorry to put you on the spot Ryan. i just scary. i just I, I really wanted to point that out because that from what oh, i've seen I, the last week man that that stuff's inspirational, and it mm-hmm. it's for everybody, man. People that that deal with depression, uh, if you've got anything like that, oh yeah, you know, they I mean these these things happen to all of us. They, we well, everyone's mental, affected. Mental health is a huge yeah. deal, Joel. Yeah, and humongous deal, and it's not getting looked at. I and mean, with guys, it's, it's a masculine thing. No, I'll take care of it myself. I don't need help. You know, exactly, exactly. That's the problem. Exactly. Exactly. I didn't mean to cut you off, Joe. I'm sorry. No, no. Then that, that's that's really the only reason I brought that up is I I did want to do a little uh, tangent on that. It, not a little one. That that's a big tangent, and I I think it's really important for the people that are listening, uh, guys that are listening, especially here in California. Um, like you, like Gary said, life's so fast. Everything mm-hmm. seems like it's so hectic. There's a lot of stress. Um, I feel it myself. I've got my own demons. Um, but just listening to Gary here and and being able to just go out there and, and, and really stick to his guns. And that's, I think that's the key is Gary sticking to his guns. And we're going to learn more about what sticking to your guns means as far as catching big bass. So Gary, we can move on now, I think. Well, that's exactly what I was just thinking. Um, but you had mentioned, I just want to start here because we don't talk about it a whole lot. I feel like it's kind of one of those things. A lot of guys still throw it. Um, a lot of guys take the A-rig, and that's what I was going to mm-hmm. talk about, the A-rig. That's what you caught your personal best. Right. Is that the Lake Kawea Lake record? Um, I don't know because okay. I, know, I know this, and what's the odds of this? Okay, the day I caught that 1702, it was, uh, I think it was February or early March. I forget when it was and stuff, mm-hmm. and I was fishing 12 feet of water, and this water's cold. And but I target shallow fish. The, the big fish, I, my in my, and I could be wrong. Uh, I think big bass are always shallow. I really do all year long. That's my right. that's my belief. That's my target. So I saw the fish in the graph, my Lawrence graph. I saw it. And I go. I told my son. He was with me, which was special because he got he could get to see a seventeen pounder. And uh, I said, look at that big old arch. And I, when the wind was blowing like fifteen miles an hour, and the, my boat sort of blew over it. And I, and I, and I turn around and I threw the A rig back at the boat and I let it sink, you know, just a little bit. And then I start bringing it about maybe five or six rotations. And I got the pole literally ripped out of my hand okay. and it, yeah, and it's, and I was using a, you know, the I rod Bama rod and, uh, that, and I was using, uh, back then I was using a 13 reel. I was sponsored by 13 and it was the A, I think the A concept, it was the heavy duty black reel. And, uh, uh, I had to drag pretty tight. So I'm using, uh, I was using 25 pound test sunline and well, you know, if I hook anything with this, anything can break this and sunlight to me is the best line on earth. That's my opinion. But, right. um, so this thing rips that drag like it is loose and I think was cranked and this is a big, heavy reel. So it's got like, a, you know, 
15, 20 pound drag or whatever on it. Right. And it takes me right into a bush. Oh God. <laughs> and I just panicked and I just, and, but I, I heard the thing. Some guy was saying, if you hook a big bass or, and it gets you in a bush, just keep pressure on it. You know, sometimes they just come out. Mm-hmm. So you don't try to force it out. Just keep pressure on it. So I did that. And all of a sudden it came out and it swam to the right and it, and it, and it, it wanted to jump, but it, I think it was too damn big to jump. <laughs> she couldn't and, even get out of the water. <laughs> no, it, it did. I, I, I did the jaws thing or it head came out of the water and I see this humongous mouth and it just, you know, left, right, left, right. And it made another uh, dive down, and I told my son, Cody, I said, this one's bigger than my 14. So that was my personal best before that. I was a 14.4. Mm-hmm. I was the same way. And, uh, and I, got, I had no net. <laughs> I never take nets unless it's a tournament. Cause I, I, I have size 14 feet, and I trip up in those things, and I go over the, board, <laughs> over the side of the boat. I'm clumsy. So anyhow, I get to the side of the boat, and I get it to the boat. And I see its mouth and the, and the eyeballs looking right at me. And I grab and, I, and, I, and I'm 6'2", 235 pounds. I basically put my and I, so my you know I have pretty good sized hands. I put my left hand on the bottom of the jaw and the right hand on the bottom of the jaw. And I lifted it straight up and I laid it down on the boat. That's how big the mouth was and the, the thickness of the lips. I mean, to see a fish that big is like mind blowing because they just look. I was like, they started looking grouper looking. You know, it's just to me, it's like, oh, oh my yeah. god, they're just massive. Their eyeballs are son, so big. And he looked at my son. And he goes, "Dang, Dad, that's a big fish." And I said, "I don't know if this is eighteen or twenty pounds." Because when they get that big, you just don't know. So I had by chance. Now this is the odds, right? Here, I was talking about the beginning. My buddy Junior DiMacabla, he was up there with my buddy Jesse Rodriguez. And they were going by, and I waved them down. And they came over, and I said, I got a monster in the live well. I only had the live well for, you know, maybe five minutes. And, and I, I, my scale was, wasn't working right or something. It was just maxing it out. And I asked them to have a scale, and they said, yeah. They actually had, I think, two scales, different ones. And I pulled that fish out and Junior screaming, oh, my God, that's like my 17-pounder I caught. He's the other guy that caught a 1702. Exact weight. On the money. And we waited <laughs> on the money. And we waited on three, two, two, two different scales. And there was one that was saying 1740-something. And then the other one came down to 1701. Then it shot up and locked in 1702. And I said, I'll take the low number. So right. that's what I did. And... I, and Junior and Junior was holding his fish. He almost got emotional, like he's gonna, he's gonna start crying. He goes, "I th- never thought in my life I would hold another seventeen pounder." So he held two seventeen o twos in his hand, and he caught well, his fish four four years earlier. Well, it, so it, it, was, it's a it's a special thing. I mean, you think about, and I, I tell people all the time, like whatever your big fish is, right? Some guys are PB six pounds. Some is eight. You know, there's a, right. a handful of guys have caught, you know, a few or several over 10 and that's amazing. But right. If you think about the hours that goes into catching one of those big fish, yes. it's a special yes. deal. It is, you know, it okay. Is. I got to ask you, and this is where I was going with that. <clears throat> you, you talked about the a rig. Everybody, mm-hmm. I mean, I follow you. I, I I know kind of what stuff you've liked to throw. I talk to Matt a lot. You know, um, mm-hmm. I know you love the A rig. You caught your personal best on it, seventeen oh two. Let's talk about right. how you set up that A rig. Um, what, whatever you're willing to give them, and more importantly, mm-hmm. talk about how you fish it. Because a lot of guys just go down the bank, they chuck and wind. 
they throw it kind of mm-hmm. like a spinner bait and they're like, I, I can't catch fish on an A rig, you know, and there's more to it than just that. There is, you know, and I'm, I'm now to a point, you know, say 10 years ago, uh, you know, I'd be, I'd be, when you asked me that question or not, I'd say, Hey, how about them Rams? I changed the subject on you. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> right. yeah. But now I, you know, I want everyone to catch a big fish on, you know, it, it doesn't have to be an Avery got anything that I can give advice on because it's, like I said, it makes me feel a lot better than, Hey, you know, grabbing a trophy and grabbing some cash and everything. That's not important to me as much as somebody saying they caught their personal best because I, something I showed them what to do. Like I said, it's amazing. Right. So, um, the A rig, um, you know, I use, uh, 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 the way I set it up is I use Picasso A rigs and, uh, just the five arms, nothing fancy, you know. Uh, I've used other brands, but, you know, of course, after a couple of trips, the arms break on them, you know, and everything mm-hmm. else. But I've been going, uh, quite a long time now with, with uh, Picasso A-Rigs. And how I set them up is I run 8th ounce, uh, two dummies on top, and those are, I think, what is it, 1 16th? Or what is, what's it? I forget what size it is. It's a smaller than 8th ounce. If it's and just the little head that you screw the swim bait onto without yeah. the hook, it's probably a 16th yeah. ounce. That's what I was yeah, about to use those. And then I run 8th ounce, uh, two on the bottom, and uh, one in the middle. And I use a really, and that's the winner. And a lot of guys will run a heavier A rig and stuff. And sometimes the application to run it down um, deeper, you know, I've caught bass in 50 feet on A rigs, you know, and you just throw them out there and sort of long line it, let the wind drift you away, and then lock the bail and just, I mean, creep it like a, you're fishing a HUD. Right. And you'll catch those deep winter bass that way too. But it's to the point now where it's like, oh my God, it's taking forever to get down there and I have no patience. And, you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> going circles in the boat. So I that's sort of pulled away from that deep fishing, and I went to shallow, twelve to twenty feet at the deepest. And I put in that uh, the Picasso A rig, and I said, and I use the code I use a lot is a uh, silver flash mano. It's total hard to get away from there. The rainbow shad works good too. I mean, there's several electric shad, all the stuff. And I use nothing but Kitex. That's all. I use. I'm sponsored by Kitex. I caught that big fish with Kitex, and they were and they were the uh, the three point eight, no, the four point oh's, the easy shiners. And it was oh, okay. on silver flash minnow, and I and I don't I don't use rib bait. I don't use the the, the fat Kitek with the ribs. I really don't use those at all. And here's why: because uh, 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 for me, back then I was uh, you know I'm I'm just throwing a reel. I wasn't paying much attention to ratio, and ratio was huge with an A rig. Back then, I just whatever I had, I threw. And I started getting a little more, okay, let's pay attention because my back was killing me. I'd literally roll my back in the deck of the boat and get the, you know, the lock, the tightness out of my back. So uh, six, four to one is the absolute perfect ratio for an A-Rig, in my opinion. Um, but I use it, you know, I'll put, I'll put uh, Silver Flash Minnows, uh, 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 that's the color. I use a lot. And my, my big secret is a white one in the middle. Okay. And let me tell you, 80% of the time, they're going to strike that white one every time. And <laughs> 80% I'm not of the time, every, every time. time. I'm not I, love I have monitored it. I have monitored it. Uh, Joe Baeza and Danny Moreno, the guys I fish with in tournaments, and we they hit the white one. Did they hit the white one? We asked each other, they hit the white one, and 80% of the time, they target that white one. So I always had a good, sharp, you know, stout hook in the middle right there because I knew that one was going to get hit. And uh, that's, that's what I use now. And like, when the water's really clear, you know, I'll run, I'll run sunline, the 25 pound test. Some guys go a little lighter and stuff, but in our lakes, we got giants, you know, so I, I don't want to lose that fish. 
And so I'll run that. Then once I start, we go into spring and, and I'm fishing a little shallower, you know, anywhere from, I don't know, eight to 20 feet. Uh, like I said, at Quia, uh, there's a lot of bushes and stuff towards the back of Horse Creek and the water, which you don't see. So if you get a stuck, you're able to, you know, sort of pull it out and get it out, maybe bend the hook a little bit, you get your A-rig back. But you hook a big one and it'll rip you right into those bushes underneath the water. And then a lot of times you'll lose them. So I use braid, 65 pound chest braid directly to the A-rig. And that, and if I'm fishing around any kind of, uh, kind of cover or brush or anything like that, you know, so that's, that's my go-to. But the race, the the ratio, um, and how you fish these things, like you were saying earlier, is you throw it out there, and and let's let's go to the winter. To go in the winter, you have to throw it out there, let it hit the bottom every single time, and slow roll up. And about halfway up, what I'll do is I'll give it a little pop, and I'll let it fall like three or four feet. Then I'll and I'll retrieve it, start picking it up. A lot of times when I pop it, they'll hit it if they're on it, or uh, uh, which you can do also. (laughs) <laughs> this sounds crazy right here my son figured this out because he loves throwing a-rig too and he'll throw an a-rig out there once in a while let it hit the bottom and won't even reel it he sits there and shakes it like it's a jig and they smoke it i love this what the heck? i couldn't believe it he i had it was he caught eight i had two and he goes dad i'm whipping your butt and he was so <laughs> proud that he beat dad and i go what are you doing he goes I'm not even going to tell you. And he's sitting there laughing the whole time. And, he, and, I, and, and, and then he got stuck. And I said, well, I'm not even going to help you. Back to get that thing out. And he goes, come on, Dad. And I go, will you let that thing sit on the bottom to shake it? And he goes, yep. And he started catching the heck out of him. So he's done, he does that every time now. And he catches fish. So, so I haven't really experimented too much doing that. But I did try. <laughs> but... Uh, but mostly, no, it's mostly it's a retrieve, and once in a while I'll give a little hop. Just give something a little different to it. Make those arms flex, and uh, it'll trigger a strike. But most of the time, if you're just reeling it slow, trying to keep it just above the bottom, they're going to hit it, and they'll, they'll knock slack in it, or they're just going to rip the pole out of your hand. And I mean, I've, I've had several 30-pound bags with A-rigs. I was at Quia Lake uh, about 10, 12 years ago, and it's sort of when A-rig was really getting going and popular, um, I got there at the lake at seven o'clock in the morning and eight thirty. I had 31 pounds and I was by myself and I had nine bass over five pounds and I had a nine and seven and eight. I mean, big, big, big bags. It was insane. And, uh, I thought I was just going to be the richest man in the world. When every tournament I go to throw an A-rig and what did they put a halt to that? So, right. but, yeah. um, but no, it's a, it's a special bait. I don't throw it as much as I used to. I've been actually with my, you know, like I said earlier, with not playing as much like every week and like I was not just playing like once or twice a month now, uh, I actually was able to uh, slow down and not fall asleep at the end of the, uh, standing in the boat, but throwing a Cinco and everything else. And I, I was, uh, I did really well the last year at the California Open. I was leading on championship day this last year and I caught all my fish on a Cinco. So I was able to slow down and, you know, and, and get that rhythm going. Gary, when, you guys I, when you went into day three in the lead and we, right. oh God, you had so many people pulling for you and kudos. Awesome tournament. Thank but you. I don't think anybody would ever guess you were throwing a Cinco. Cause no, I sure I I my, think you were throwing a Cinco. No, I, I swear on my son's name. I was throwing a Cinco and, and I had, I had four hours of practice and the wind blew me off. And, uh, that was it because of my work schedule. And I, uh, I just told, uh, 
I told uh, uh, a couple of buddies of mine, they're up there. I said, I don't, you know, I'm just going to go what I did last year, you know, because I don't know. I don't know Clear Lake very well. I've only fished it, you know, a handful of times and right. I just don't know the lake. I live to, I live in Visalia, you know, Clear Lake's a long drive, you know. So, yeah. uh, so anyhow, uh, I went to an old spot and I pulled up and basically uh, the, guy, the guys were fishing way offshore because windy and cold. And I wasn't getting bit. I said, these fish are shallow. And I went shallow to three feet. And I threw a pumpkin and uh, green pumpkin, black flake, Cinco, five inch on a spinning rod on my, uh, my eye rod, which uh, the, the Aaron Britt's rod, the legit uh, finesse rod, insane Cinco rod. I love it. And I just started getting them. And, and we, uh, I lost a big one. That was, and then my toe lost, snapped off about a seven, eight pounder at the boat. And, uh, which would, I think it would easily give me the win, but, you know, I was just happy to be there and, and, you know, and build that finesse bait. And I tell you what, I went straight to a little store over there and I bought like five packs of those singles and I just <laughs> went, you know, old school and slowed down and put spot lock and, and thank God for spot locks. So I was between two boulders and, and, uh, had a, had a good old time. <clears throat> That's awesome. It is awesome that there, you just, you just gave so much great information in the last, I don't know, ten minutes, like you know, incredible, uh, incredible amount of information, Gary. I don't know. Do, do, should I should I edit some of that? <laughs> it was super no, good, no, man. no, not at all. You know, and uh, there's guys will come up to me, especially on Facebook, they'll private message me, and uh, they'll ask me all kinds of questions. Can I help them? They got a tournament, whatever. And I first ask, I said, "Well, can you? Are you? Are you? Is it?" A hush hush thing, you know, you know, tournaments cut you off, you can't get any information. And it's, right. no, it's just a local tournament and stuff. And, you know, and, and the client flat's been really good to me. I've won quite a few tournaments there. And uh, a lot of guys struggle on that lake because you catch spotted bass and it's just, you know, you come in with 70 pounds. And I've been fortunate to win a lot of tournaments at, you know, 20 pounds or more. And it's, 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 it's fishing shallow and always going to where the river's at. That's always where the bass are going to be. I don't care what time of year. The fish are always by the river. So I always run back to every lake, back towards the river, and just that's where the big ones always are. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, oh, you caught them on a HUD. Oh, you caught them on this. I don't throw HUDs. I don't. I mean, I've, I've tried. I've caught a 10-pounder one time on it. And um, a couple of years ago, two or three years ago, what's that big old swim bait that everyone's getting to? Uh, the hog hunter. Uh, hog hunter. Wow. What a great swim bait. What the last time I saw five. you at Lake McClure, you, you were up fishing one of David Coy's tournaments. I, yeah, I showed up to fish that one, and you were talking to me about that bait because that was right after Alex had just won Shasta on it. Yes, and I had to, I had to have something like that. I'm going, oh my god! I was watching that, and and, and I, I've met Alex a few times, and, and he seemed like a really nice guy. And uh, I said, what? I just, I just don't throw it because it's so damn slow. You got to reel really slow, and I'm going, oh, that's not me. And then I start hearing people, no, you don't have to reel that thing slow. You could throw it as soon as it hits the water, you can start reeling and they catch them that way. So I start doing that. No, I, I like to chuck and wind. And then boom, I caught like an eight or nine pounder and an eight and seven like, at Quia and my lake over here and stuff. And, but, uh, it, it comes and goes. It's either I, I feel like, okay, I can do this for a while. And, and, and then all of a sudden I, 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 I take it with me and I don't even touch it because it's, I just not in the mood. You know, fish, a lot of it, your techniques and everything are mood, you know. Do you sit there? Are you fired up to throw a, a jerk bait, or are you are you fired? Are you or you just basically want a dead stick, or, or you know throw a, a, a drop shot, just wait it out. 
so it's all how you feel and mood and everything else. But, you know, for me, the water tells me what to do. Stain, stain color uh, uh, and water temp and wind and wind direction is the key. Mm-hmm. Pay attention to detail. The lake will tell you what to do if you focus on, you know, what the lake's telling you to do watch the birds the birds rat out bass all the time you know that right you ryan you see that all the time you know the birds all busting are going crazy and uh what's those white uh, white birds all the lakes i call them shad ducks but that's not the right name for them but they got the red eyeballs and they always dive for shad what are they called the red eyeballs uh i think the yeah. red the red eyeballs are, are the greaves those white ones the gre- greaves the, yeah yeah they're the greaves yeah, yeah. I, I call you know I, I got the old Oki versions. I call them old shad ducks and stuff. Those things right there, <laughs> shad one, ducks. The, 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 those damn things won me a lot of money. I call everything I call on the water a merganser just for fun. Oh yeah, yeah, and and uh, so and those little bitty hairy, those little bitty hairy ones, little ducks that go right next to your boat. They're little fur ball, and they're shad divers. I don't know what those are. I forget the name of them, but anyhow, those things have given up bass location because because they'll give up the shad. Yeah, and yep. you know you throw right in there. And I remember one time I saw one just kept staying in one spot, kept diving around, and come up with shad in its mouth. And I threw a jerk bait right next to it, and I made about two or three pops, and I stuck a six pounder and won the tournament. I go, thank you, bird. You know, so uh, pay attention to that. That's a that's huge, huge, huge on what the ducks are doing and the water stand and clarity. And uh, that'll 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 put you in the right direction. Well, as a as a Fresno guy, Gary, I have to ask mm-hmm. you about Pine Flat. It's one of those places that right. I grew up fishing with my grandfather, um, mm-hmm. with my brother, like when we were little kids. And there right. was a there was a cousin who had a boat, and so we'd go out there and, and troll around for for the kokanee, or they got the king salmon in there, or whatever they have, but. Uh, God, it's been right. so many years, but I've never bass fished that lake, and we've we had uh, we had Ardon who's who knows that lake really well. Can you talk to us a little bit about Pine Flat? It's a, a lake that we don't get; it doesn't get talked about enough. It's big; it's got a lot of different species in there. How do you? Yeah, how do you? Flat. How do you? When when you go to Pine Flat, how do you approach Pine Flat? The river, the stretch of the river, and work your way out. Yeah, every time. Yeah, the river, the rivers. I like I said, I've had some twenty pound bags out of there, and um, uh, in tournaments. And uh, I remember one time, we, uh, me and my uh, partner Joe Baeza, we came in with three bags, and and it was forty some boats, and and one guy was standing next to me, and we we're standing with three bags, and he, and he asked, told, he actually looked at me and says, "Is this a joke?" <laughs> because no. And he, he was serious, and he was like sort of irritated it. because we're standing there, and I'm, and I could be a jokester, trust me. But um, I and I said, no, no joke today. It was a good, it was a good day, and we had two seven pounders, and the question, uh, we had the rest in the other bag, smaller fish, but um, uh, you know, twenty two something other, I think our weight was. But Pine Flat is, I would start from the river, and that's where your bigger fish are is going to be, and. Um, you know, that lake right there is, I think it's how the world record twice spotted bass came out of there. Right. Long time. Kirk Sakamoto. Caught on a Cinco. And on a Cinco. And then, uh, 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 we call him Blinky. My, uh, another age, a uh, friend of mine, my mind's like when you're 56, <laughs> your short term goes. Anyhow, right. uh, he'll come to me. Uh, Shishido. 
it Brian was Brian Shishido. Brian yeah. Shishido caught, caught it. And he caught that on a Cinco, supposedly. I, I, I never asked him, but I think I heard Cinco. And so there's some big spots in there. My personal best out of there for a spot is like six and a half pounds. And I actually caught it last year on the top water. It was pretty dang cool. But uh, that's my biggest. My, uh, my biggest is a Bass Lake. Bass Lake has got monster, monster uh, spotted bass secret over there. My, my nine, I got a 909 out of there. But Spot? yeah, Ooh, but um, in, a, in a tournament and a, a Bass One Hundred One tournament. Oh my um, god! I, I don't know if I had the world record or not. Ten something was a world record at the time. Uh, but bass, but Pine Flat, I, you basically start the river, move your way <laughs> out. Uh, of course, you know if, if it's warm, warmer water, always start with top water. It's a really good top water lake. You know, spooks, uh, whopper floppers, you know, buzz bait, and whatever you got. And uh, let them tell you what they want. And um, as soon as as soon as the sun comes up, uh, and if the water's over sixty-five degrees, and the sun comes up, do not put down the top water. Amen. Do not <laughs> ever put down a top water. I don't give a shit if you basically are throwing that thing for two or three hours. You're going to get a monster blow up, and I hope you hook it because it's going to be over five. And you're going to win the tournament. So that's a lot of my secret there. I just Gary, keep going. I, I just don't put it down. I, I just love that because I've I've been I'm not trying to pat myself on the back here, but I, I've been preaching that since day one on this podcast. Going, if you're the guy that puts your top water bait down by seven thirty and doesn't pick it up, I said you are completely missing out. Maybe not yes, on you are. Maybe not on quantity, but on quality for sure. Well, if you want to win a tournament, I mean, do you want to catch? I had guys come up to me and. And I just won the tournament and everything. And I only got seven, eight bites, but I had, you know, a nice big bat. And, and uh, they'll come up to me, hey, oh, yo, hey, great job. Yeah, I caught like 30, 40 fish. I'm going, <laughs> okay, that does nothing for me, buddy. I mean, good for you, but hey, guess what? You didn't even place in the top five. You can't and weigh, I'm not being an asshole. You can't weigh in any more than five. It. Yeah, I, I, I'm not being an asshole about it, but I just want to let them know. You know, you sometimes you got to leave small fish. You know, uh, there's been times at Quia, uh, me and Danny Moreno were sitting there, and we had 50 bass in an hour and a half on a on an ice jig. It was stupid. Every drop, what an ice pounds. jig? Oh, I, I smoke them on that thing. And and uh, and an I ice jig's kind of like a little spoon, yeah, jolt, you, but it's it's Rapala, yeah, Rapala yeah. ice jig. What we call them ice jig. Those things are insane, especially at Shasta. Can, I gave can we can we ass, explain to people what that actually is? Because it's not it's what you would it's, think. It's a, it's a metal. It's a, it's a, it's what's the name of it? We got somebody going to Google that dang thing. If there's actual rap, rap, rap chat. It's called a rap chat or something like that. They're, they sell them at Tackle Warehouse. And you get the black and chrome or blue and chrome are insane. I went to Shasta and I've never been to Shasta in my life. And, and I don't even know where to go when I got It was during the Wild West event. And, uh, I was just, I couldn't keep them off it. But, you know, of course, they're on a lot of the same side. And Shasta, you got to jump around until you find a bigger cut, I found out, you know, later. But I caught so many, but my arms weren't catching anything. And uh, uh, at the end of the day, I just lined up giving everyone my arms. I said, here, keep this. Buy yourself 10 of them. They were so excited and blown away about how that thing catches fish. And it does, look, it's just all metal. It's, it's, but they love it. That's for deep water fishing. And that works really good also at, uh, at, at Pine Flat. But, you know, at Pine Flat basically is, uh, I, I throw a lot of top water there and, you know, whopper floppers and, and spooks work really well. And, and, and the small, small spooks, you know, they work good, 
they will catch you fish. But <laughs> I'm, I'm, you can go with a bigger spook or a super bigger spook. whopper popper. Super spook. Always and, a super you know, spook. Yeah, yeah, and just throw that dude, and you're going to need a bigger bite. And, and there's a lot of truth to, you know, bigger the bait, bigger the bigger the fish. There's a lot of damn truth to that. But, 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 you got to be patient. You got to keep it in your hand. Keep throwing it. The sun's cooking your neck. You're, you're, you know, you can smell your pits, everything else, and you're throwing <laughs> and throwing it. And it's the middle of the day, and it's 104 <clears throat> degrees. Boom! Long stick goes boom, and guess what? It's a giant, and you win the tournament. That's how it works. And it, stay yeah. with it. God, I stay with it. Everybody that's listening to this, go back, rewind for about three minutes, and listen to that one more time, just to make sure it sinks in. And it's so much truth. I've won so many tournaments that way, you know. I've, and I'm winning with the A rig, you know. Back when the A rig was, you know, like I said, I don't throw the A rig as much as I do, but I throw it religiously. And you just got to keep throwing, even put yourself in a, in a day and, and, and all of a sudden you'll, you'll get slapped by that pole when they hit it and it's going to be a good one. And it's going to be the one that's going to put you in the money. But you know, um, it's, it's, but, but yeah, pine flat is, you know, it's, you know, I just won a tournament there at the beginning of the year. It was a hangover tournament. It was like 40, 45 boats, whatever. And guess what? I didn't throw an A-Rick. And it was in January 1st. And you would think I would, because I've won tournaments there a lot. But I didn't do it. What did I do? I threw a the almighty worm at that lake. And I am not a worm guy at all. But, you know, when you got that old uh, Nico worm set up, that is deadly. Mm-hmm. I had an amp kick my butt at Maloney's. And I was the pro. He was the am. And I came in on day two with three fish. And he called all day long. Ooh. He was dropping the old Nika worm. And I felt stupid. I said, maybe you should be up front here. And I should be sitting back there. And you should he keep was, my boat. He was probably real setting all day too. Right, Ryan? All day. And he landed up winning. <laughs> he, he, actually won the, he actually won the am side. We started out with float and fly. And, you know, I'm not the pro that basically goes out there with an am and turns the boat and puts his ass out in Disneyland, and I face the bank. I'm not that guy. I will put him exactly. Not that guy, pal. Even though I need those fish, <laughs> I will put him guy. right there. And I'm not that guy. I will let us right here. Right? So this is where I'm getting them, right by this little secondary point, throw right there and stuff. And, and uh, with don't float and fly, and he catches a three and a three and a half, and I catch one about a pound and a half. Dog thinking, oh, God, I could use those fish. And they were biting and um, he, uh, I forget his name, but anyhow, he uh, he actually won the AM side of the of that tournament. And um, but yeah, it was uh, so same same thing with pine fly. You know, uh, I, I picked up the worm and and the float and fly and just put on the clinic. And I, I was fortunate; I think I had fifteen pounds or something other and, uh, in January. But that's, it was uh, but mostly it was mostly flat. the worm. What's that? I said that's great for pine flat. That's a big bag of pine flat. Back in the day, seven, eight pounds, you're in the money. I remember watching that. And then it seems like it seems like pine flat has gotten a lot um a lot more largemouth in it the last ten or twelve years. Is that correct? That is correct because okay. there's some bass clubs and I'm not sure I like to give them credit where credit's due, but I don't remember what clubs it was. I think it might have been Fresno Bass Club. I'm not sure. But they went and uh, got permission, fishing game, blah blah blah, and they put some, uh, you know, some more bass in there, largemouth bass in there, because it was because spots will dominate a lake. You <laughs> Absolutely. Know, back, and when I was a kid at Pine Flat, I'd sit at Deer Creek and I'd throw a crawdad back at the crawdad story, and I'd throw 
a crawdad out the bank and catch four pound smallies, <laughs> a lot of them. Right. You don't catch smallmouth on any lake anymore. Well, that's that's the so same with McClure. Everybody talks about Lake McClure. They used to catch three to five pound smallmouth all the time. It was a great smallmouth fishery. And I'm like, I've been, I mean, you, I guide that lake all the time. I fished it my whole life. I think we've mm-hmm. caught a total of maybe 20 smallmouth out of there. And probably 15 of those have been this last year for some reason. You know, if you're going to find it, once in a blue moon, I'll catch a 12, 13 inch smallmouth at Pine Flat, and it's always by the river where, the, where there's more, you know, where, the, where you get the temperature break. Right. And they seem like they hang around there. But since, but once once the, the spotted bass is introduced, it really it, it knocked them out. Let me give you a prime example. Milliton Lake used to have big old smallmouth. Yeah. You used to catch them like crazy there. And I've you only- will not catch smallmouth out of there now. I have only caught one smallmouth in that place. I've probably caught 7,000 fish. <laughs> I've caught one smallmouth, and it was a good smallmouth. It was like a two and a half, <clears throat> and that was way up the That's river. That's a big smallmouth. I yeah. I got a picture of it. It doesn't look like any smallmouth you've ever seen. It doesn't. It looks, and the sad thing was it looked It looked sad, like when you caught it. It looked sad. It looked lonely. <laughs> It oh, did. I, I have a pic. I have a picture of it. I'll sh- I'll send it to you, Gary. Like it was. I couldn't believe. First of all, I couldn't believe I caught it because I fished there a lot. And I've caught a lot of spotties, some largemouth, a lot of spotties. But when I caught that fish, it was a good fish. It was a big fish, and where, where I caught it, where I caught it, there was a a big rock. And so every time I go fishing with my brother in law now, if I see a rock like that, I always say smallmouth house. It was like that's that's I'll look over the smallmouth house. Let's go, um, because who knows? It was so weird that it came out of there. I know there's still some in there, but it's crazy to say that that back in the day there was a lot because you cannot catch them anymore. You know, it, it I, I and it seemed like it's all I caught was smallmouth out of Millichan Pine Flat off the bank. Of course, we didn't you know, we didn't have I don't even had a boat back then. I was a young kid and stuff, and throwing old crawdads, and it's only new. And uh, we caught the heck out of them, and they just disappeared when the spotted bass came. And both lakes, they mm-hmm. disappeared. So yeah. there's something to do with that. I, I'm sure of it. But uh, uh, you know, Success Lake used to have giant stripers in there. Do you guys know that? I didn't. In Millerton. No success. No, success Lake. Oh wait, 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 hold on. You said success has stripers in it. Had it used to have? Oh, it, it used, used to. to. Okay. I knew a guy that caught a thirty-five pounder when he was a kid out of that lake at Success, and he took it to show and tell at school. <laughs> <laughs> what's funny about What's funny about this though is like the, it's not it's not any mystery why the big striper that came out of Millerton and the big striper that were in Success they. They get caught. They get kept. They they leave. That there's no there's no population that will regenerate, right? Do did you know? Well, no, I mean, so do, do can they repopulate in there? Well, let me tell you. So. Let me tell you. Um, there's you know, there's always been all oh, that you know. Stripers got to do this and that to repopulate. You know, well, about five years ago, I caught a eleven uh, pound striper. Out of Millington on a jerk bait, right. and it it and they they haven't been stocking striper in Millington in years and years and years and years for so years. Yes, evidently they are. Evidently they are. Somehow. Well, Gary, up at San Luis Reservoir. <clears throat> yes, 
Bingo. San, Lu- San Luis Reservoir. They have not stocked stripers for. It's well, they don't have to. They, do, well, now. they don't have to stock striper there. The reason that there's there's American shad and striper in there is because they suck all the small fish in, and so those fish get stuck in there and then they grow. Right. But so they the don't have to. Are, but the stripers are obviously so. Okay, that's a good point. Um, so that's I the only. That's the like, only. Reason. I still feel like they figured out how to spawn in that place. I feel like nature is. Oh, one hundred percent. Do you think? Do, do, you really, do you really think that? You think that there Abs- there is still a spawning population of striper in Millerton? Yeah, Dude, every I've, every I've spring guys, they spawn up there, up in the river. You know, I've I've heard of guys catching seven eight pounders out of there, and they. <laughs> I think it's what. If, and correct me if I'm wrong, or someone can maybe uh, chime in on this, but. Um, you know, it's been well over twenty years since they've stocked stripers and. Oh, it's and, been uh, a long. Belgium. It's been a long time. Yeah. I catch a seven eight pounder. That fish has only been alive for how long? How, how, long, how long? How long does it take to get for a striper to get seven eight pounds? Well, I well, have no years. idea. I, it depends. I'm gonna it, guess it, probably four years. I don't know. It depends on the feed for the fish. There I mean, you go. Right there. I mean, you can you can. So, I, I mean, I, I've gone fly fishing up in the Sierra, and you catch a fish that's six inches long, and half that is their head. So they're they've been alive right. forever. Do they get well, big? Right. Do they get big? No, they don't get big. They just they just gotcha. grow. So they grow yeah. slowly. So I mean, I I know I for a like fact. Me. I know for a fact there's holdovers. What's crazy is it, and I love to point this out about Millerton is they have an actual breeding population of American shad. It's the only landlocked yep, one yep. known of. Yep. In the United States. Yep. Yep, I always catch a couple every yeah. year, and, and they're uh, fun. They're fun and, to catch too. And there's oh, guides you can throw up a there, spinner out there, whatever, and catch them, heck out of them. Oh yeah, there's there's fly guides that go up there just to catch those fish. You know, there was there was a uh, there was a uh, there for a while. I don't, you know, I was told this, but um, people guys go up there trying to catch these big stripers. The rivers, big stripers go up in that river and stuff, and they catch those those shad on a spinner or whatever. And then get a big pole and hook up that you know hook it in the back and mm-hmm. let it swim around and these stripers would destroy oh, it yeah. and catching giants. Well, the game what I was told the fishing game caught onto it and they started you know busting people doing it. And this is this is twenty twenty five years ago. Oh yeah, you know so back then there's a lot more of those stripers in there. You'd see them swim by the boat. You reel up the spotted bass and they would four or five you know fifteen to twenty five thirty pounds would just absolutely rip your spotted bass off your hook and snap to the line and swim off of it. Yeah. Well, it and, and that's what twice. I was going to say. If there those was stripers got to be eating those small spots. I mean, if there was still, yeah. if there was still like a, a viable population that was reproducing in Millerton, they would have all the food they needed. Oh yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. There's so many spotted bass in that lake. It's amazing. But, absolutely but, but the one thing that's happened in the last five years is the amount of of bigger largemouth that are coming out of that lake now, because there's not as many you know, stripers. You know, we, me and my brother fished a tournament there this winter, and we won it. And um, uh, and I'm not a militant; is kicks my ass, and I get beat there all the time because <laughs> I don't like fishing it. For one thing, I hate paying you know twenty yeah, bucks to get in the exactly. lake, eighteen yeah. whatever it is. And then I go out there and I'm catching skinny uh skinny spotted bass and a lot of times i gotta gra- grab the fairy wand to do it you know back then you know i'm mr he-man Miss power fisherman big baits and everything else and all of a sudden i get made fun of my buddies pull up hey is that a spinning rod in your hand oh, <laughs> oh, <that's funny." laughs> 
Well, well, guess what? That spinning rod works pretty damn good. And <laughs> and uh, um, my brother, my point is, my brother uh, on a jig caught like a five and a half, six pound large beautiful fish, good color, the whole deal. We won the tournament because of that big fish. But um, when's the last time you seen a five and a half, six pound largemouth come out of there? You no. don't really hear about the big largemouth. Um, uh, my buddy Danny Wood, he, that guy just—he's awesome on that lake. He's an awesome fisherman, period. But uh, he catches them quite a bit. He just knows what to target and stuff. He says they're in there. I think he said he caught one there um, years ago. And I heard this from another guy, too, that was fishing the, the tournament he did or something. Like, I think it was like 14-pound largemouth out of there. Wow. Out of wow. I'm going, wow. Well, Gary, this, this last this last spring, I had a client, and I, I think I told this story. Oh, Ryan's going to talk about it. I was going to I was going to ask you to talk about it. What, what did you talk about? So I, I had a client that was going to come out to Don Pedro with me. Just, mm-hmm. just like he wanted to just – kind of go bed fishing, see how I do that, you know, and just learn right. about bed fishing. Right. He calls me last minute. He says, Hey, I've got a tournament this weekend um, up at Millerton. He said, would you be willing to drive up to Madeira at the ranchos and meet me and go free fish Millerton with me? I'm like, yeah, but I don't really know Millerton. I fished it like six times. He's like, I just want to get a fresh set of eyes on it. Absolutely. Cause I love to go do different stuff. I love it. Sure. I, I go to Millerton. It's the beginning of April, and he's not even thinking. For some reason, he thought they weren't spawning there yet. And I'm like, but dude, the water's 64 degrees. It's April. Like, they're spawning fish. There's no doubt about it. What was, what was the water temperature? It was 64. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I get up there with him, and we go run his stuff on the main lake. He wanted to go check, you know, like all the spotted bass stuff. We caught like two fish in three hours. The at this point, the sun's up good. I'm like, let's let's go looking. There's going to be fish on beds. There's no doubt about it. And we went all the way back in. Um, it's a long, long flat. Like, is it called Winchell's? Yeah, oh, Winchell's. Winchell's. Yeah, back Winchell's. Back? Yep, yep. Was there, was, it, was there, like, boats back there? There was no boats, but this is, like, a Wednesday or Thursday. Well, okay. there's, like, a marina back there. Oh, there's, win- there's a marina back there. There's a marina back there. back there, and there's floating boats, yes, but not, like, fishermen. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, because uh, there's two two areas where you're uh, where the spot where they spawn in Milliton. One is Squaw, okay. it's a big big cove goes way back there. There's no boats at all back there that are you okay. know like on a. And the other one is Winchell's. That does That's have where we boats went. there. And, okay, gotcha. But we go back. I'm not in happy there about that getting find, out there, I'm not dude. Happy I'm that. telling, I'm telling you, Gary. We went back in there, and I'm, I mean, I, I'd been on Maloney's, Don Pedro, McClure the last two weeks looking at bedfish, catching bedfish. I went to mm-hmm. Millerton and we found largemouth on beds back there. I mean, loaded. We we could have, if we wanted to catch them, obviously we didn't. He had a tournament coming up. We could have probably caught, because they were catchable. I'd throw at them, you know, like just to check them for them. I, I, these are catchable fish. Like they're not super spooky. They're locked on. Right. We probably could have caught, without exaggeration, 25 pounds of bedfish in Millerton that day. Wow. Um, he went in his tournament on Saturday and it was windy. He couldn't see these fish. So he just started blind right. casting a Cinco and he caught right. 19 pounds. It was 18 or 19 by himself. That's and he said he bag. lost one big one. Wow. Yeah. That's a big bag there. Yeah. But that, that just impressed me because I fished Millerton so many times. I fished two tournaments did well. I took a second and like fourth up at Millerton. Mm-hmm. Um, never caught more than eight pounds. Obviously this is back in the day. This is like, you know, uh, 
12, 13, 14 years ago. But to go back there after all those years for the first time and see these big largemouth, I'm like, yeah, this is unreal. Cause I had never even caught a largemouth at that lake prior to this day. You know, I, I, uh, uh, my biggest largemouth ever out of that lake. And I was, this is probably 35, 40 years ago. And it was a eight pounder and, uh, it was a largemouth. And, uh, my biggest spot out of that lake is probably four and a half pounds. I don't fish millet that much, right. but, um, but there's a lot of truth to what you're saying about these largemouth that are starting to really show themselves in that lake, which is a beautiful thing. And, um, I mean, I still wish the smallmouth would come back like they were because they caught. There were so many big ones in there. I, in fact, yeah, the that biggest smallmouth so ever sad. caught in my life came out of Milligan to this day. That's oh wow, crazy! Because there's no there's no smallmouth around here. Is no more. That's what these guys talk about smallmouth. There's none around here. I mean, once in a once a year you might catch a twelve, thirteen inch smallmouth out of Pine Flat or by the river area or even Quia by the river right. area. But uh, uh, my biggest smallmouth. Believe it or not, it's only four and a half pounds. That's the biggest I've ever caught because I'm not around the fisheries for them. But, you know, it's um, back in the day, it was, you know, like I said, it was good, the good smallmouth. But Milliton now, the largemouth, has really stepped up. And I saw some bed fish this year that, you know, four and five pound largemouth on beds. You know, they, they weren't locked, but I saw them cruising. And it was it was really exciting to see them because, you know, one of those, you land one of those in a, you know, in a, in, in four other, you know, decent spots to go with it. You can, mm-hmm. good chance you're going to win the tournament all day long, you know? Yeah. So it's, ex- it's exciting when you're fishing in a tournament and have a chance at a four or five pound largemouth on a bed. It's always exciting. But if, if, if there was a way to, to, I mean, I think one of the reasons why you're seeing bigger, small, bigger largemouth now, mm-hmm. no smallmouth, but it, it, it I mean, you got to look at the the size of the striper that were in that lake for thirty years. That's what I was going to just talk about. Yeah, right I mean, now. so those they things were are gone. Everywhere. I mean, my brother in law lives yeah. on the lake. I fish Millerton all as much as I can. Every time I go back to Fresno, I fish Millerton. That's where I grew up fishing. <clears throat> but it's always been yeah, it's always been a, a spotted bass in my lifetime. It it right. was a it was a striper. Big striper lake. I think the world mm-hmm. didn't the world record landlock come out of Millerton at some point. No, it's, um, it's the O'Neill Four Bay. No, I think O'Neill Four Bay is the world record. But at there was one a, point there was a, at one point I think was it was state Millerton. record. There was a state, state record. It was state a state record. record. Came out of Millerton. It was yeah. fifty some pounds exactly. striper. I think it was. So oh, it was, that was before yeah. the O'Neill Four Bay. Yes. Yeah. So oh, it, yeah, it, no. at one point it was it was premier. Like you went there. Roger George fished it a lot, and he still fishes uh, the for, the San Luis a lot. But that was growing up. That was the thing. That was the the premier right. fishery. And so you go out there and you try to catch bass. It was small spotted bass. And so now that it's not that lake anymore. And yes, there's holdovers. I know there's still striped bass in that lake, but nowhere oh, yeah. near what it used to be. Not fifty Put pounders. No, yeah. I mean, there was an Asian guy that caught a fifty some pounder out of there like three or four or five years ago. Yeah, I was working. And it was big news. Yeah, was big I was. News. I I think. It might have been. It might have been a little bit longer than that, because I when I was maybe long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I worked it's at maybe seven, eight years ago. Yeah, when I worked at the shop, when I was, well, I mean, if if it was, if it was, well, that was that would do. That was like fifteen years ago when the guy caught two back to back, and everybody was like, "What the heck? 
Like this guy caught yeah. like a 50 and like a 54. And if someone caught yeah. one recently, that makes sense. But No, I've never heard anything that big. The biggest I've heard recently was like 20-some pounds. I think one of the yeah. uh, Frozen Bass Club guys caught I In fact, I... Uh, one guy caught one on a drop shot, and he took him thirty some <laughs> minutes to get it in. He was using a five pound test or six pound test line, and he got that big fish in. And I said, "That's got to be a line class record." He fought it, and fought it. I said, "Watch them." I just quit fishing the tournament. I just watched him fight it. And fight. We already knew it was a striper, or you know, or a monster catfish, but we just knew it. And I just sat there and we laughed about it. And uh, Tom, Tom Lawyer, he, he's the one who caught it, and <laughs> I took a picture of it. And uh, but yeah, there's there's some left in there. Now, when I was a kid at, at Milliton, you see these big boils quite a bit. They're boiling everywhere, and you throw in there, and you were going to get you hooked the bus, and it's going to snap the line. We're using eight pound test strand line, <laughs> you know, back in the day. Yep. And you know, on eagle call pole with a Mitchell three hundred A, you know, and <laughs> just and back then I was a top line setup, and uh, uh, you know, you get you, they break your line, you couldn't stop them and stuff. But but since the decline of the stripers and stuff, I think it's given it. Uh, uh, why the largemouth have, have absolutely, you know, start coming back. And uh, because, you know, those stripers will eat eat everything in front of them. You know, we've seen it where the guys that have, uh, you know, weigh in, they see a floater out there and stuff, and just sit and wait. We're not even five minutes, and all of a sudden, boom, that floater is gone. Mm-hmm. They just, like a shark, they just come and snuff it, and it's gone. True story real quick about Milliton. And I didn't know how we got on this stuff, but probably something I rambled off with. This is true. And this happened two years ago. Me, we're fishing the two or three years ago. I was fishing the TOC for Sincal out there. We're fishing over there on second, uh, off of Main Lake Point. And there was a, uh, a duck, like not a mallard duck, but a female, you know, duck, or the you know, brown ones, whatever, size of a mallard. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, it, it walks off the rocks and it starts swimming out. It got about 15, 20 feet and also. And it was gone. Me and my partner watched that, and we waited for 15 minutes, and it never came back up. Gone. Full size duck got eaten by a striper right in front of us. It was unbelievable. I get. Well, I gar- I guarantee. I guarantee there are some giant stripers still oh, cruising around. Fifty some pounders still in there. Oh yeah. But, but there's. But the, there's. They're not like. It's not something you're going to go out and try to catch unless you're super no, dedicated. Because, yeah, it's going to be a long ass day or a week or month. <laughs> yeah. Cooking something like that. But I, I guess yeah. why I brought that. Why I brought some of this stuff up though, Gary is these lakes are changing. The entire scope yes, of are. of fishing in California is changing. There's less stocking of trout down south where you had some of the biggest bass you can imagine going on that's butch brown yeah butch brown. exactly so i guess what i'm trying to get at in some of these places is if we can manage some of these places a little bit better because i guess i get tired of hearing oh it was so much better 10 years ago you should have been here 10 years ago well we're well we're, we're so the guys who like to fish are still here now what can we do for the people 10 years from now because obviously it was great at one point and now we're at where we're at. Um, the water situation is not going to help anything. But what what are your no, thoughts? It, it doesn't. What are your thoughts on on lake management? And I'm I'm going to keep asking this because I think it's very important going forward for bass oh, fishermen very important. to be super yep. tuned in to managing lakes correctly. So if there's too much food. You look at Millerton's a perfect example. So there's no more striper, and now you're seeing bigger 
largemouth come in. You're seeing bigger largemouth caught. I think it was a nine, almost ten caught two years ago. Um, yeah, they're yeah. they're there, and there's a there's a lot of one pound spotties in that lake. So, you know, um, my, my you know my take on all that is when you got I mean we all know this if you got too many fish in a pond they just don't grow. It's like the goldfish, you know, you period. put it in a little yeah. bowl it just doesn't get any bigger. You know, you put it in a bigger you throw it in the lake and it becomes a five pounder in the year. You know, and you can see them swimming by in the spring. But um, you know, it's it's a fine balance of, in my opinion, to basically harvest fish. You know, I hate seeing people take out fish when they're not supposed to and they're mm-hmm. breaking the law. We see it every day. We get frustrated and we want to pull our hair out and stuff. But, you know, sometimes that actually helps. Um, I'm, there's so much spotted bass in Pine Flat and Millerton. Even Quia's got quite a few. Mm-hmm. But there's Quia's pretty balanced. You get both pretty equally at Millington Lake and stuff. And, and, uh, I think that that lake needs to have some of those spotted bass, the smaller ones, you know, taken out. I agree. And you, I think that because yep. when you got too much, they're so aggressive when they come, they, when they attack, how many times you reeled in them when you got two or three chasing after it and everything else, or you get a double on a, on a, on a uh, you know, crankbait or whatever. They're just so aggressive. So for that lake, you know, uh, I would say, that lake needs to take out a lot of those fish in order to get big. Um, uh, you know, now when it comes to largemouth, I'm real protective over the largemouth. Do not, do not, oh. t- do not ever take out a largemouth of any Never, kind ever. anywhere if you, if you in California. One, if you want, if, period. Yeah. If, if, if you, if you want, you don't want us to be friends, keep largemouth and say, Oh, I took a couple to go home. I'm not going to be your friend. Yeah. Mine. Yeah. I protect, that's like my kid. they're so special to me they're so special to me and um you know i i caught an eight pounder one time in a rig and i hooked it in the lift and i brought it right in and i snapped the photo of it real quick and i laid it in the water it was dead it was flat dead i tripped out i'm going why did this large mouth die it didn't bleed nothing it was hooked in the lift why did it die and you know, I'm a big believer too that you know these big fish get stressed out and they have literally have heart attack or something. I don't know, and they just die. And it, it doesn't happen all the time. No, but um, you know, it. it so I'm real protective of the large mouth. Spotted bass, not so much, not so much. But I just think that there's too many spotted bass. They're aggressive, and <clears> a spotted <throat> bass to me reminds me of a white bass. They're over aggressive. They overpopulate and they take everything out and they and they eat 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 and before you know it, they're affecting everything. That might be my, you know, I might be completely wrong. And I'm, you you're know, not wrong. That's my, you're not, and wrong. that's just, they're, they're I think just we all agree with you on that, Gary. You're not wrong. Yeah. So I, you know, so I think the, the spotted bass need to be thinned out. I really do. And some of our bigger lakes and stuff, I really do. Because once they start, uh, once you thin those, it gives a chance for the largemouth to get bigger yeah. and the actual spotted bass to get bigger. Well, there's only, so, there's only so much <clears throat> food. And we're gonna have we're gonna have the aquatic biologist back on again, you know we we had I had him on early early in this in this when I started this what a year ago I think it was probably a year ago at this point. No, but, it's, it's been longer than that. Yeah, it's it's been longer than that because Ryan was on at this point, so it was a long right. time ago. But the, the guy laid it out pretty succinctly. There's only so much food in these systems, and if you put right. a, a species like like spotted bass or striped bass they are going to outcompete 
a large mouth, especially if it's a southern strain. Northern strain right. are, are more are more prolific. They're more aggressive. Yes, they are. And, and they the, fight a hell of a lot yeah. harder. <laughs> yeah. <And> but, the, <laughs> but word of the point in California, most fisheries don't have – they're all crossbreeds or Florida strain. Yeah. They don't have many northern – like true northern largemouth at all. You know what? Matt Frazier made a hell of a point to me, and I'll never forget it. When I caught that 17-pounder, Matt got a hold of me. That's why I met Matt. And he's a good friend of mine. We tournament fish together here and there. And um, smart guy. And he told me that 17-pounder you caught is the top five biggest bass caught in the United States this year. Yeah. Just for the biggest bass in general, not the ever, but, you know, for the year. And I looked at him. I'm going, oh, no, whatever. And have you heard any big, any bigger bass caught? Since? No. No, he's absolutely right. And, and so, so here's the other deal. This this is this is where his point went, and I said, "Why do you, I go?" No, no. He goes, "No." He goes, "The crossbreeding has made these fish smaller. They're not growing as as they once did, mm-hmm. and the overabundance of spots eating everything up is, and the water fluctuation is making these fish smaller." Mm-hmm. And I didn't believe him at first. I thought he's full of shit, but I now I'm thinking this guy was dead on. No, it's well, true. Especially when you don't hear about any more big giants being caught anywhere. No, I they, mean, come on, social media. You you hear no. about it. If, if there's a big giant, it's all over. We hear about it. It's ten, ten years ago, you could catch tens and elevens on the delta pretty <clears throat> regularly. I there's sticks out there. I'm not seeing them catch tens as often Dude, as they were. A perfect example. When I was in my, <clears throat> I started. I, I'm I'm 37. When I started bass fishing. I was about 19. From 19 to 24 years old, I've caught 12 bass over 10 pounds. I've been that's, out. That's awesome. And I've been out fishing since I've been back. I've been I've been back at it five years, guys. Five years. As much as I'm on the water, I do it for a living full time. Right. I personally have only caught one bass over 10 pounds in the last five years. And I mean, that that says, and I, and I definitely, there's no doubt in my mind. I know a lot more now than I did back then, but they were that much easier to catch back then. Yes. And let me tell you, in the last five years, 2017 was a special year. I caught seven bass over 10 pounds one year. And that was, and that's the year I caught my 17. So it was a hell of a year, but it's declined dramatically since then. I've caught some, you know, fives and sixes and sevens and eights, you know, and, you know, you'll see, you saw the pictures, right. but have you seen any pictures of me lately? Well, no. And I, and no. I, I talk about that all no. the time. I have literally said to people, cause we, t- I, I, you know, I mean, this is what I do. This is my life. We right. talk fishing all the time. That's, that's sure. all there is. And I've literally said, because everybody's talking about where's the big fish. I'm like, they're not showing up in the mother load. The Delta's still kicking them out, but that's a whole nother animal. That's but a not, different But not fishery. the teeners like they used to. It's not kicking out teeners. It's still kicking out good ones. Very few over 10 pounds that you've seen. But yeah, I've literally I told my clients. The Delta. I've literally told my clients. It's not just our area. I've said, when, when you don't see Gary Wasson posting pictures of fish hardly <laughs> all for a year, that says a lot about what's going on down there. Okay, I'm Northern struggling. California. I'm struggling for giants. I'm, Every, I'm just not catching anything. And Gary, time. that's that's everywhere. Even up at Clear Lake right now, everybody's. It's brutally tough up there. You know, 
and I feel like a lot of that's due to this drought. Um, it definitely doesn't help having low water, but, but to, to touch on what you're talking about, about the spotted bass. And we've talked about this once before on the podcast, and I'm going to probably get some hate for this. I, I want to talk about it more, dude. Keep going. I don't care if I get some hate for this because this is what needs to happen. Needs to happen. Even in the mother, like up in the mother load, all three of our lakes. Now, Don Pedro's not so bad. You still catch a lot of largemouth, although that lake's just been off for two years, crazily off. But McClure and Maloney's, if I get clients and I'll have people hit me up before their trip, it's not often, but sometimes, hey, do you mind if we take fish home? I said, as long as we don't keep any largemouth and we don't keep any spots over two pounds, I said, you guys can keep your limit and I will fillet them for you. I have no problem doing that. You know something? You're not going to catch any hail from me. Because I've... I don't ever keep fish, period. But mm-hmm. uh, it's because I don't have, I just don't want to mess with them. You know, I'm lazy. And, uh, you know, right. spot, I, I, I think I ate a spotted bass one time. My buddy asked us to keep one at Bass Lake and we kept one two pounder. We ate it. It was actually really good. They're and delicious. Like, wow, They're, really good. They're really and good. They're really good. But if, but when it comes to largemouth, like I said, that's my dog. That's my pet right. dog. That's mm-hmm. my son. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's the thing I love. I have a passion for that fish. And when one dies or, you know, uh, once in a while, my son will, you know, he's, he fishes a little loose line once in a while with a Cinco or whatever, and he catches one and it's bleeding and it's the hooks in his throat. And I'm trying to get a dive. I am. Oh, I it's am mad. I'm yelling at him. I mean, I'm, I'm over, I, I should be yelling. I'm, I am like totally upset about the whole deal. And right. uh, uh, so, but so I had a lot of passion for that. But with spotted bass, like I said, those fish to me sort of lean towards the, uh, <laughs> Um, the white bass, where there's so many of them that they're really dominating. I mean, look at look at uh, what's that lake up there by the coast over there that they always have tournaments over there. And I don't think I don't even think it's open right now. Nasimento, Nasimento. Oh my God! I went over there. I fished that lake one time in my life, and I'll I probably never go back. It just it was one thing. It was too damn hot, and I was over when I was over there. And uh, um, but. I caught probably 30 fish, which is no big deal in Austin Mano, And mm-hmm. I could not tell you the difference between every fish. It looked like I caught the same fish all day long. Right. And they were so aggressive. And I said, where in the hell is a largemouth? I never caught one. Dude, this is the the same thing. that I've, I've talked about this before. You go into the high country where they used to, to plant fish. Like right. in the high country, you're at 10,000 feet. You're, this is a closed system. There's no natural trout there. And so they dro- right. someone dropped in some brook trout at one point, 100 years ago. So when we up there fishing, you catch 90 fish on a fly rod. Every single fish on a Prince Nymph. Every single fish was the same size. The worst part about it is their head was the half the size of their body. Because a fish's head wow. will grow every year. Their body can only grow so much depending on their uh, what they eat. So the exactly. head will keep growing. And it was the most disturbing thing I've ever seen. I'm like, wow, this is we should probably have like thrown these things on the bank because there just wasn't enough food for the fish. So it was a perfect example for me. We have a problem in our lakes with too many predatory fish and not enough food. And we were like, well, there's yeah. bait everywhere. Well, that's fine, 
but a largemouth bass isn't going to be like a small like a, a smallmouth or a spotted bass. It's not going to go chasing around like they do all day. Yes, yeah, they have. They don't. They that's what they. That's they don't do that. Catch these giants on these huds. Exactly. Or, uh, hud style baits because slow moving big mill and a big bass will eat that thing and not have to burn any energy to do it. Well, and and that's what these largemouth in most of these lakes have have adjusted to once they get you know over three pounds three three and a half pounds they are now trout eaters and when there's trout yeah. in a lake you're never you're never i mean well there are certain scenarios but for the most part those big bass those tra- those trout eating bass and you can mm-hmm. you know what i'm talking about they have a different build right they're they're stocky they're fat they're thick they they've got shoulders on yes them. The, yes those yeah. fish are not looking for a crawdad. They're not looking for a bluegill. They're not looking for a shad. They don't even focus on that stuff. They are looking for a trout. That's all they're going to eat. But if they make it through spawn, so so say they make it through spawn, right? The, mm-hmm. the, the, so we've already seen a great reduction in a lot of these lakes of the population of, of largemouth you catch. So say they do right. make it through spawn and they're small bass. How can they, how can a small bass compete against all of those spots. How can it get to the point where it's are, large are we enough? A small, large a small, mouth large, a small, large mouth. How okay. does it compete against all of those spots to get to the point where it's big enough to even eat a trout? And that's the point that when I've been watching this guy online, he makes a lot of sense. How does that fish even get to the point where it's big enough to eat a kokanee or a trout? It may never get there. It, 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 well, they the, for them to reach ten pounds is like like one in yeah one one out of three hundred thousand or some crazy number. And that's in a place it's that hard. then that's in a place that doesn't have a whole bunch of spotted bass eating mm-hmm. all of the forage that a small bass a small largemouth needs. Right, crazy. You know, um, back to Pine Flat Lake. You know, world record spots have come out of there. You know, you don't see them no more, but. There, one time there was there was a lot of trout trout being fed in there and then they'll eat trout trust me and um uh the biggest largemouth bass that i heard of i think the lake record or if everything came out of there at, at a big lake at client flies only 14 pounds then you got this puddles like quia in success and you know i've caught seven few 17s come out of there and success of the 19th <clears throat> came out of there right you, you know and how did that happen you know, but well, it's gotta be, it's, it's gotta be, I personally think because pine flat obviously has a lot of food, right? They plant it with trout often. Oh, it's got a heavy trout, shad yeah. pot. It's got a great shad yeah, population. Great shad population. All these yeah. lakes have crawdads. Right. I, I personally, and, and this is just my opinion. I don't have any science to back this up, but it's gotta be the strain of bass that's in there. Right. Like, I mean, just like a good racehorse or a good hunting dog. Um, they pay a lot of money to breed these dogs with, with other dogs for their genetics. Right. And I feel like bass is the same thing. We talked about this with Bobby Barrick, but you're av- And just like you said, like your average Florida strain, largemouth bass and Northern strains don't get nearly as big, but your average Florida strain is not going to grow to 10 pounds. Your average adult Florida strain, largemouth bass that's healthy is going to be seven, eight pounds. You know, like that's your average. Obviously, right. some of these fish grow a lot bigger, but mm-hmm. there's got to be something with the genetics that's in that fishery that grows bigger fish. 
Well, Quia, Quia, at one time, I haven't seen any. Uh, there was a rumor some guy caught a 17-pounder fishing for bluegills this last summer, and I saw a picture of a big fish, and it looked pretty damn close to 17th. It was a monster. Right. But uh, but I don't know, you know, who knows. But um, so the genetics in Quia are there, but it's just, uh, you know, I think like I was saying earlier in the podcast that through those lakes, my lakes over here are, are going through a rebuild you're seeing a lot of two pounders and, and all the guys are complaining. We're three and four and five pounders. No one's catching them. No one's catching them. And before, you know, they caught them quite a bit and, uh, no one's catching them success. Like, uh, two years ago, one day me and my son went out there in the fall and we caught 10 bass over five pounds. That's right. a hell of a day. Right. And, yep. and, and to catch a five pounder, one five pounder right now is a hell of a day. At it's, it's, it's it, the it's same up change. here, Gary. It's, it's, it's no different up here in the mother load. Like we're going through the same thing. You know, Matt Frazier has been telling me also, you know, that Pedro has been extremely bad and uh, McClure, you know, is not great either, you know, for a big fish. And right. uh, so, I, so it's, I, it's, I don't have to rebuild. I mean, I don't know if we'll ever know the answer to it. But, you know, um, and, and, and to answer the question you asked earlier about, you know, what I think about, you know, about these lakes and harvesting and the whole thing. But, you know, I just uh, it just seems like when the lakes are got abundant 12 to 14 inch spotted bass, it seems like the size of fish getting caught in general go way down, way down. All you, then you start seeing these bags, seven, eight, nine pounds winning tournaments at McClure. And right. it's just like, whoa, what happened? You know, so I just think there is a, it's a phase that these fish go through when they get certain size, they get super aggressive and they feed. And that's what you're catching. And, uh, and then over time, two or three years go by, this fish get a little bigger and you start seeing the bigger cut of fish, two and three, four pounders coming out and everyone's happy and fuzzy and the whole deal. And then you just, then all of a sudden, you know, here comes that smaller cut of fish again, 12, 13 inch again, and they're attacking and they're dominant and you're not seeing Right. Go the other side. So I think about every three or four or five years, you go through this. Well, and, and, really and I agree, and I agree 100%. I, I can remember when I was, I don't even know, let's call it 22. Um, Lake McClure, you know, November tournament. I can remember that tournament being one. And I'm talking 50, 60 boats, like not a small club deal. Mm-hmm. That tournament being one with like 788 with a two yeah. and a half pound big fish, right? Mm-hmm. And then... I come back out fishing four, four or five years ago and Alex Neopis and Jason Rimmers, two tournaments right. in a row crack 32 and 34 pounds. Yeah. Those guys are one hell of a team. One so, hell of a team. To fan. But I've, I, I've seen these lakes, my lakes, the motherload lakes mm-hmm. go in the cycles that you're talking about. And everybody keeps saying, well, oh, oh dude, they're just done. They're done. And I'm like, no, these lakes are not done. You're going to see those big weights again. We've been on a a few bad years, but they're they're gonna cycle back up. I firmly believe that. It's kind of, how many kind of, times you reeled in a, a spook or something like that, and you got uh, a four or five little spots chasing it or pecking at it and stuff, and they're really aggressive mm-hmm. and want to grab a hold of it, or you'll or you'll just start catching these small fish. Why don't you see four or five pounders doing that? Mm-hmm. Because what's there is basically those you'll get bit by that small one a lot quicker than that big one ever gets up to it. That big one, the reason it got big is because it's got a little bit of smarts behind it. 
mm-hmm. it's been caught, you know, several times or, you know, or, or been hooked and, and, and they say bass has a memory of 20 minutes. You know, I think it's a little longer than that. <laughs> I think it's a little longer than that. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, right. that's one, that's one, one scientist said a 20 minute memory. Like really, you know, but, uh, I've been like that when I was drunk, but you know, that's a whole different story. But, uh, uh, but, uh, but no, but I just think that the, the small aggressive fish gets there first and you don't have a chance to get that bigger fish for the most part, you know? So, you know, who knows, who knows? We, we can sit there and guess how the chicken start crawling, but, uh, but, right. uh, or the, or the roosters, I should say. And that's but, the deal. Uh, and we don't know. I mean, that's, you know, well, it's all, it's, we literally don't know. Uh, I'll be honest. I think it's all going to be, uh, it's all going to come out in the wash next uh, year if we don't get some rain. Because then everything's going to be you know, gone, and we're going to start over again. Year, the next year, the year and a half is going to is going <clears> to <throat> be really crucial, and uh, on where we're headed for a while. And it, it, it'll you know it'll come back over you know we I don't know years from now, but it's good. But it's going to explain you know it's going to change your technique. It's going to be it's going to be the big ba- the big ba- uh, big guy throwing the big baits, you know whatever is all of a sudden might grab a fairy one because in order to win a tournament because the bite is going to change um from my lakes the top water bite this year was horrible compared to past years right and it's like when the water temperature is right you know, clarity you know it's, it, it, they should be here you know you take your active target oh they're right here in front of you and they're not even chasing and it's like what's going on you know um so Something is definitely going on. So I got that, and I throw an A rig, and they want—they're not even hardly interested in following that damn thing. And then you throw a little worm out there, and they eat the hell out of it. Right. You know. So, so, so everything that I used to win a lot with on my big baits and stuff. Guess what? I'm not winning with those baits anymore. I've had to change. I had to downsize through the whole deal. And uh, uh, there's something definitely going on because I mean, I look at all the you know pictures. You know, Facebook, the memory pops up, and you're thinking, wow. I forgot about that big bass or all those bass I caught or that 20, 30 pound bag. And now it's just like, when's the last time you see me post a big bass? You have right. it. And it's just, it's just not, they're just not there. You know, I, don't, I take pictures only a five pound or better. And, and I, I think I caught one five pounder like a week and a half, two weeks ago at Quia on a rattle trap. And uh, the rest were just two, two and a half pounders. And that was the only big bite I got. It's global and, warming. Uh, real Gary. Quick, it's global warming. What's that? It's global warming. <laughs> I mean, fuck, you know, I, who knows? I mean, you know, I mean, maybe it's Donald Trump's fault. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> everyone is, is doing that. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, it's but, Trump's um, fault. Yeah, it's I Trump's love fault. It. But you know something? I, I got, uh, real quick, I got to say, Gary Watson sucks at California Delta. I'm going <laughs> to say it right now. I just got back last night from there. I went to pre fish. We got the TOC coming up for SinCal. I don't, um, I am a fool and a student, you know, uh, with the dunce hat on at that place. I biggest fish I caught was three pounds. Dude, throw was, the A-rig. I, throw I, the A-rig out there. For, but the stripers were just attacking oh, the yeah. hell out of everything. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the fun part. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, if it was a striper fest, I'd be okay. But, yeah, yeah I, that place, that, then, you know, I see these. I uh, I see Mark Lazan and all these guys posting some nice big bass. And I talked to them on the dock before, you know, hey, how you man, blah, 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 because they were doing the first official day for a while west, uh, Pro-Am. And, uh, you know, I saw some guys out there I know, and they were posting these nice big bass. And I was there for two days, and the biggest fish I caught was three pounds. And it's like, come on. So, yeah, I'm horrible at that place. 
Yeah, it sounds so like got, us when we go to the Delta. Nothing about the Delta because I know nothing about that place. Well, hey, I don't fish in it before we let you go, before we let you go, Gary, you got to give us, got to give us a report from one of your lakes. Give us a report. What if guys are going to go out there? What are they? What should they do? Well, uh, Pine Flat was really special about three weeks ago. I don't know by now because the lake has dropped so fast and dramatically fast. And it's, I heard they're going to get down to 11%. That is insane. You're going to see stuff you've never seen before. And But but we were getting – I was I went out there three times, two or three times, and I averaged between 16 and 18 pounds, and everything was on a square bill and a rattle trap up towards the river. And it was a blast. I caught – Thirty land at thirty five was always a competition with me and my gal, and uh, and we we left left Lake they leave early at eleven thirty in the morning, so it was a really good vibe. You know, you mixture of blacks and spots. Right on. And, uh, uh, but my buddy went up there and he said it, it slowed way down quite a bit. Quia was really good on the rattle trap from the foot to five six feet and burning it pretty fast, and they would just stop and head with your pole. But uh, I think. I was getting about a 15 pound average out there. Nothing giant. I did catch a five pounder, but, uh, but a lot of pound and three quarter to two and three quarter, maybe a three, but a lot of, but a lot of fun. Just nothing wrong with nothing wrong with a three. No, no, they fight hard right now. They're aggressive. They get to the boat and they start, start blistering your drag. It's, it's a good time and stuff, but that's the only thing. Top water bite's been pretty horrible for the most part. You'll get, three or four or five bluffs, but you're fishing for two hours for those. And I can, and I've, I've gone five casts in a row and caught you know, five nice ones in a row on a trap. So, yeah. And I want, you know, I'm like you, Ryan, where I just want to throw a big top water and, and watch long stick go boom. And, exactly. uh, it's, it's just not really happening this year. You, it, it's getting, it's fixing to start because when the water starts dropping and cooling, yeah, especially the pine flash, start throwing that top water target the trees. And there's a lot of trees exposed right now because, Back in the day when they built Pine Flat, they never they cut a lot of trees in the upper part of the lake out and stumps and everything, but they never cut anything down below. They never thought it's like like me. They never thought the water would ever get that low, so they right. never cut the trees. So right now there's a lot of exposed trees of Pine Flat all the way around the entire lake. So good thing about it is that she threw you know a spook or whatever and and work the trees not on the bank away from the bank. And because mm-hmm. these fish, remember, this lake is dropping, so these fish are going to suspend. They're going to move out. They'll suspend out, and and and, and with the warm water, you know, they'll they'll make, get a little more territorial of a tree. So that's right. what I target right now and stuff. And and the water gets until the. And I caught it. I caught a nine ninety something this year. That's my biggest fish of the year, and it was on a top water. And the water temperature was sixty one degrees. And it wow. was back in March. In well, March. Guy, guys, so, wait, guys wait too long to pick up that top. They wait too long. They're missing out. I mean, but the yeah. problem is, is they make 10 casts and they put it down. And they just no answer. And then they grab the spinning rod and a worm. And, and they're happy to catch the 13-inch fish. Well, and they, they've, they've got to go out and gain the confidence in those baits. They need to go out. And the problem is, guys, most guys don't have enough time to fish, so they want to get bit. But to, to teach yourself correctly to do it right... You need to go out and just bring those baits and those rods for a few. Those trips poles and just... leave everything else out. Yes. exactly. That's I done yeah. that. I did that with the HUD because I just had no confidence in it, and I did that with the HUD and I caught a ten and I lost a six <clears> of the boat. And I after that, you catch a ten and miss a six, and all yep. of a sudden you're into this. You're or, you're going straight home and uh, tackle warehouse or wherever you go and uh, right. order. You know, you know, even buy five of them. You know, and but um, but yeah, it's just uh, if you want to. I would, my goal every year is basically learn one new lure and try to master it and per year. 
that's all I have time for. I mean, just to actually tie that, keep that in the book, always into it. And in the last few years, it's been a chatterbait. And because our lakes, for right. some reason, chatterbaits don't work that great in our lakes. At least not for me. But guess right. what? I've been starting to catch more fish on a chatterbait. No giants, but. Wi-Fi cra- crapped out at this point. So, um, yes, the chatterbait or bladerbait, whatever you want to call it, Joey Skim, Juan Acosta, Mark Kobe, all three guys that can throw that really well. They're fishing the Wild West this weekend. Want to give them a shout-out and say, good luck, boys. We love those guys. And, um, yeah, I had no other way to splice this together, and so I did that. On with the show. All right, just hey, where did you stop recording at, it, bud? Um, a minute ago, if you can figure that out. You know, I... You know, I can. I'm a lead singer of a rock band, so I can talk all damn day, and you know, and and and, and party with the best of them, have a good old time. But when it, but but when it, but actually, when it comes to you know, I want to touch this again because I'm seeing, and especially, uh, I'm not what you, you or Ryan. I'm, not, I'm sure someone said depression. I'm seeing some of my buddies struggle with this. That are tournament bass fishermen, right? And and the, world, the world's hard, that man. Is a the bad world is hard. Deal. The world has made us really, really depressed when you isolate because of COVID and everything else, and and uh, uh, it, it's and it's it's just dark days. It's it's bad. But you know, I don't I don't want to you know bring this last thing down, uh, last the, the podcast down on a on a downer. But no. I'm gonna be the buzzer guy. Go but for it. You go is, do it. Yeah. You know the thing is though, is that more important than bass fishing, big time, is people's mental health. Uh, addiction, anything. and I've never. I'm being. I'm, being, I'm not. I'm, I've been very fortunate, you know, for being in the music scene for almost 40 years, you know, never to get involved with that because I I lost uncles that I meant a lot to me and cousins and that were I thought were heroes to me and they died of heroin overdose. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, a lot of family because drinking runs in my family quite a bit. So I was the one that said, "Ooh, I don't want to do. I don't want to be that way." It scared me, you know. So, but. I see it. I understand it. And, you know, if there's people out there that are, you know, struggling, you know, talk, talk to one of us, private message me, private message, Ryan, or, uh, your, yourself. And it, and just, uh, let's talk, you know? And, uh, I, I, I gotta say real quick, I, I was, uh, one of the, uh, what do they call it? The captains, like I was something other for, uh, at Isabel, uh, at the success lake about four or five years ago. And what we did is we basically took out these wounded warriors for a fishing trip. So all these guys don't need their time in the boat. We went out there and we took one guy out per boat. And this one guy was in his early twenties and he started telling me about his drinking and that he had a bad, bad drinking problem. He's only 23 years old. And by the end of that fishing trip, we didn't give a crap if we caught a fish or not. And I'm honestly, I don't think we caught many that day. Um, you know, he gave me a big hug and he was, you know, was crying and stuff. And he said, you opened my eyes. I've never heard from the guy again. I, so I hope something happened, but he was young enough to be my son. And, uh, you know, so it was, it was a special fishing trip for me. I'll never forget it. So my point is that if you guys are any struggling out there, reach out to one of us. Um, and, um, Absolutely. you know, it's a bad deal. You know, we want to yeah. see everybody on <clears throat> the water, water. We want to see kids out in the water. We want to respect the sport. We want to throw back the largemouth. Throw back the largemouth. Throw back the largemouth. Throw, throw, throw back, back the largemouth. Maybe keep some throw small spotties if you can. 
Okay. You know, I'm, I'm going to get a bumper sticker that says that. Throw back the largemouth, you know. <laughs> and uh, but uh, but you know, keep our fisheries alive and healthy and stuff. We can't do we can't do anything for Mother Nature. That's just part of it. But you know, we can do our part by uh, you know not you know keeping a bunch of fish and uh, you know I mean come on how many fish can you eat I mean I don't even, I don't even care to eat fish but um, and if so if anyone else have any questions too about some techniques or whatever or, or whatever hit me up on on uh, Facebook private message me and stuff and uh, how, do, how do we fi- how do we find you how, how do we find you Gary just go to Facebook and just send to Gary Wasson or oh, yeah. and uh, um, just look under W-A-S-S-O-N and uh, you know I, I get a lot of people uh, you know wanting to pay me to take them out i said i always tell them hit it brian cook <laughs> you know so, there we go you know how and you know what's funny is and it's it's always about the a rig it's, it's showing me how to work the a rig i've never caught a fish on a rig and i'm just baffled when i hear that you know trey williams you know trey uh oh yeah uh, g, uh, g, g money jig mm-hmm. uh um for, i think i don't know if he still has ever caught an a rig fish to this day he's he always i still haven't caught one it's like what so, I mean, he's a great fisherman, but, you right. know, there there is a little bit of technique to it. You know, you're going to catch him just throwing out there and reeling them in, but there's ways to trigger the strike. So, you know, hopefully what I told you guys earlier right. in the podcast it can help and maybe a land. I think it will help a lot. I it's, absolutely think But it always will. put the white one in the middle. White one in the middle, <laughs> and 80% <laughs> of the time it's going to get smoked. That's my secret. 80% I, I, I of the time, every time. Every They're going to hit time. that because they target that odd color, and they just hit it, you know, and they – the line cut i call it line cutter all of a sudden you just got no a rig and you're jerking on three foot of slack and it's a giant i love it oh i love it gary oh, and a big out shout out for me for irod i'm a big <laughs> irod guy they've got the brand new corcus rod out the cork handled irods they are insane rods i'm just saying that because i'm with irod and matt newman i love matt to death but these these poles are really 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 good at a good price. So check out the IRAs and Corcus rods and the, the gen threes. That's all I use the IROD. So keep that in mind. Picasso, you know, G money, uh, jigs and, you know, uh, you know, of course, Kitech, all that. So some of my sponsors. Yes. yes sir. I love it. So call me, let me know when the next one is, and we'll talk about whatever. You guys want to share some rock and roll stories? We can do that, too. Dude, we, we, you're you're <laughs> going to be on speed dial, man. Like, this was, uh, no, yeah. I mean, see, Ryan Ryan comes to me. He's like, two days ago. Well, Ryan Ryan talked about you, like, a long time ago. And we, we, didn't, we, we don't really plan real well sometimes. So he's like, what about Gary? I'm like, dude, I've been waiting on this one. And uh, <laughs> here we are. Gary, Dude. I uh, I told him you're a talker, and this was going to be a walk in the park. But oh yeah, I can, I'm, but, I'm a salesman. I can, I can work it over here. This so. this this one blew my mind though, Gary. Like really good stuff, and we were able to talk about some of the things that are close to my heart. Ryan likes to go catch fish. I like to figure out why why I hear so much about oh it was great ten years ago. Why is it not great now? I think that's really important. It's important to talk. I think about. it's a rebuild. Yeah, yeah. You got, you know, like I yep. said earlier, you just got these fish that are a certain size, and there's so many of them. They're so aggressive that they get to that bait a lot quicker than, say, a lazy old largemouth. You know, yeah, that right. just wants a big yeah. trout. And so, you know, I just think uh, once those fish get in another pound, pound and a half bigger, you start saying, "Oh, we caught, you know, we had 15 pounds. Yeah, two and a half, three pounders. Now the fish you're catching a year ago, those are those fish. Yep. And right. so everything starts balancing out more." 
and uh, and then all you know, you start getting you have that peak where you uh, start seeing you know double digits being caught or eight nine pounders and everything's good, everybody's happy. Then all of a sudden it sort of declines. While those smaller fish are now a pound now, that you know, and a pound and a quarter. Guess what? They're the ones that get there first. Well, and next that's why you, when you're reeling your bait in, you see them all trying to hit your bait where you're reeling in two or three, four, or five of them. You don't see two or three, four, or five pound largemouth <laughs> over five pounds doing that ever. I, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk about this next year if we get enough water, and then uh, then we'll yeah talk. we should we should we'll go over that what we talked about and then where we're at exactly I I would love that that'd be awesome. Well, dude, it's been awesome, bud. We can't thank you enough. This has been so much fun. It's great. Let's go. Hey, let's, go, let's all get together and go fishing. Soon, let's huh? go fishing. Let's go fishing. Hey, we'll come oh, down yeah. there. Oh, I'll, dude, come down here. Hey, I got I got I got a. You you two get on my ranger. We've got enough room, and and uh, uh, the bite is about ready to get a lot better. Usually in September, October, the rattle trap bite at uh, our, our local lakes are really really special. Uh, I think uh, a couple of years ago we did a deep diving crank bite. Me and uh, Matt Frazier, we had thirty six pounds. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, and he 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 was just blown away, and and the big one came off. So yeah, who knows how could how big it could have been, but yeah, but it's getting ready to fire up. And once the water starts cooling, you know, uh, they're going to really get aggressive on the traps, the deep diving cranks, the square bills, uh, top water. So the shadow get pushed up in that shallow, get you know, fall the winds blowing to a shallow flat, go there, go in one foot of water where you don't think they're at, they're there. So oh, I love that. My, oh, they're there, they're there. You know, back to target this year in the winter time. I, I pointed at the bank and. I'm first time I'm messing with it, and, and I'm like a little kid, you know. And it's like, oh wow, look at this, look at this. And I see this fish swimming about five feet of water at Pine Flat, and it's and uh, I threw, so I threw a, 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 a trick worm, uh, a Nico rig, and I threw it right there, and I said, okay, that can't, that got to be a cart. And it was a three and a half pound spot, <laughs> and I'm going, I would have never, ever, ever thrown that shallow, and the water is freezing cold, but they're on the bank. It's crazy, crazy. So where you don't think they are, that's where they're at. Spots are stupid. Words of wisdom with Wasson. Oh, yeah. There you go. Gary, thank right, you guys. so much, dude. We had a blast. This is going to be a great episode. Thank you, buddy. All right, man. I'll talk to you guys soon. Good luck. Talk All to right, you buddy, soon. Take care. Talk soon. Uh, right, bye-bye. Dude. He's dude, a machine. Dude. Super SSI. Awesome, dude. I, I love that one. Gosh, the, I mean, those are the guys that make it. They just so keep easy. getting better. Why, Ryan? It's not like because we're the thing passionate is, about this. It's not like we're like being super hard about like, let's find the best person ever. It's like, no, no we're just like, hey, you guy, come on. <laughs> That's basically what we that, do. That, that one was awesome. He's a, he's a special dude, you know, and he, he just... And he's got a lot of talent. He's got Dude, so much knowledge. I'm just blown away. The yep. last four weeks has just been like that guy, that guy, that guy, mm-hmm. that guy. Mm-hmm. That's ultimate like starter lineup. And we're gonna keep them coming. No, like I don't know how. We it keeps coming. I don't know how. We're not putting a lot of thought into this. Well, hey, Joel, Ryan there's is. a saying. Ryan is. There's a saying I came up with back in the day. It says, if you build it, they will come. And they are coming, dude. And you have built it, and they are coming. No, you are, we have built it, because no, this is... Stop it. Dude, this, I mean, a lot of these came from you. 
Mormon came from you. This guy came. Like, don't let this guy fool you. Okay. If it wasn't for Ryan Cook, we wouldn't have some of the guests we have, period. Well, we are I sleep pretty... I sleep hard on like getting guests. Ryan doesn't. He like We are a pretty solid team. That's all that matters. That's right. We're teaming up, but goodness gracious, awesome. Team, team shake and bake. That dude, super good. And I know I'm I know everybody I'm I'm really big on the I think we need to manage our fisheries better. I'm going to keep doing it. After talking to Aunt Andy Downa, I think that we need to t- we have to take it into our own hands because the state of California doesn't give a shit about bass fishermen. Let's just make this clear. Ryan, do you agree? I don't think they care about fish in general. They don't care about fishermen in general. They don't care about bass fishing. They will never help you. I do want to get uh, an actual biologist that works for the California Department mm-hmm. of Fish and Wildlife. It's not fishing game anymore. Fish and Wildlife. Right. DFW. I want to get them on, and I want to get like the f- sense of how much do you not give a shit about what we do? Right. Because they don't. So everything we do has to be crowdsourced. It has to be grassroots. And getting people to say, it's okay to keep some bass, some guys are going to literally, their heads are going to implode. <clears throat> Right. I don't and know why. Cool. I don't know why their heads are going to implode because their grandparents were doing it. Right. Weird. Right. Keep some smaller spots. Just keep smaller spots, simple. dude. In the mother load, if you're going to go out there and you go fishing, keep smaller spots, please. If you go on the yeah. Delta, don't ke- don't keep any bass because you don't know the difference. So don't keep any on the Delta. Well, I don't think you want to eat fish out of the Delta anyway, unless it's, it's like period. a migratory. Fish. It doesn't matter if you catch a bass out of the Delta. Don't keep it. Yeah. If you're yeah. in the mother load and you know how to tell the difference between different kinds of bass, which a lot of people don't. I see guys post things. Oh, look at this large mouth. That's not a large mouth. dog. How about you figure out like put your finger. We've talked about this before. Rub your finger over their tongue. If it, if their tongue is completely smooth, it's a large mouth. If you have to do that, don't keep it. If you don't, if you have to do that and you can't tell by looking at it, don't keep it. Let it go. If their tongue has a little rough patch, it's a spotted bass. It's that simple. There you go. Yes, sir. That's it. That's a wrap, baby. We we did our best. We'll see you next time. Later. Good touching! I was at about six there. You don't want to see me go to ten.